Hi, welcome back. <clears throat> We're listening to You Can Get First. Well, I don't know what you're asking, but let me just. The leader of the Republican Party, Donald Trump, has made often glowing, described authoritarians like Kim Jong-un, who is condemned in the resolution regarding North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, Trump, uh, said Kim wrote me beautiful letters, <laughs> and they're great letters, and we fell in love.
figure out ways to maybe we could have Zoom meetings and a bunch of other cool stuff. We'll talk about that online. You will all, that's right. You will all be the first to know everything from the inside. That's the beauty of the beatdown. I want to thank everybody for joining Michael Cohen and myself. Cohen, final words. Final words. Thank you all for joining us. Tell your friends, I promise you, you will always be the first. You will always be in the know. And this community is growing. And we will not sit back. We will not do nothing. Together, we will all win. Shout out to the Midas Mighty. Come and fill the post. What the fuck? <clears throat> Right. During depositions, uh, when you, whether you're giving it or you're the recipient, and I thought to myself. That's a question nobody has ever asked me, including the DA, whether or not I intend to be called as a witness. Them, by the for, way, for, and, for, and eight times. I spoke to eight different congressional committees, eight times. Each one, nine hours, 72 hours of testimony. I may hold the record in American history for speaking before Congress, especially regarding an investigation. I never took the fit. I may have said, I don't know about that. Um, I have no knowledge or information about it, but I never took the fifth. You, you know, know why? Did? Do you why? know why? Because only criminals take the fifth. <laughs> right, Donald? When he's talking about Hillary Clinton, who takes the fifth? reasons, I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation, what we are primarily going to cover today, involves a presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar with those statements. Is that correct? What are the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein? Though, uh, ...that the Attorney General had requested and Judge Arthur Engeron granted it right away. In the answer that Donald Trump filed to the complaint that New York Attorney General Letitia James filed, so the answer responds to all of the allegations, Donald Trump and his adult children's responses were, we don't have the information to respond. They tried to not deny, well, they denied things that they shouldn't have denied that were absolutely true. But then with other things where they were asked, like, who leads the Trump organization? Is the Trump organization a Delaware corporation? Uh, is this LLC, you know, related to the Trump organization? The response was, we don't have, by, by Trump, we don't have the information to respond. Therefore, 
we can neither admit nor deny. Uh, and it was about a 300-page document. And so New York Attorney General Letitia James and lots of lawyers now in these Trump litigations, they're doing it because they know that these are all delay tactics by Donald Trump. So the moment Trump does that, they go right away, right to the court, rush to the courthouse, tell the judge, look, he's trying to delay it. And that's what happened. And basically, after this hearing took place yesterday, uh, Judge Arthur and Goran took a break and then Trump's lawyers backed down. When you confront Trump, he's very weak and he backs down. And his lawyers said that they were going to correct the, the answer and that they would file a new answer and that the trial date is not being moved. Let's talk, though, about the Manhattan uh, District Attorney. Um, you were on the Midas Touch podcast a few weeks back after you were seen leaving a meeting with the Manhattan District Attorney. I mean, look, you're one of the key witnesses, if not the key witness in that case. Um, I know there's a lot that you can't legally talk about um, to protect the integrity of the case. So we obviously want to respect that here. But about two weeks ago after you had that meeting, we've now learned, it's been reported that, the, you know, and as we believed was go were going to happen after the meeting that you had, that there is now a criminal grand jury in Manhattan that is investigating Donald Trump for uh, tax fraud related crimes, specifically the uh, Stormy Daniels hush money that Donald Trump, uh, you know, paid and or paid you paid and he, he tried to hide and conceal as legal costs um, and that he blames 100 percent on you. So what's your reaction, though, in terms of what you can talk about and what's publicly out there um, regarding this grand jury and about this case in general? So I can't discuss anything as it relates to the impaneling of a grand jury. I can't discuss you know, anything about going back in, testifying the whole nine yards. I had an interesting phone call today from a journalist. You know, who wanted to ask me a couple of questions. And I, unfortunately, because my goal is to provide uncensored, raw truth, as I have, whether it was to the Mueller team, whether it was to the attorney general, the district attorney, Mark Pomerantz, Carrie Dunn, while I was in uh, Otisville when they came up to visit. By the way, in case anybody is curious in regard to when Cy Vance was running the show just prior to Alvin Bragg, taking office and you had Pomerantz and Dunn um, resigning seven weeks uh, into Alvin Bragg's, um, into his tenure, one of the things that you may want to do is watch 60 Minutes. I heard that Mark Pomerantz is going to be on it. Uh, that's what this uh, journalist was asking me, if I know anything about the book that he's putting out. But I do suspect Whatever that you're drawing right now, probably, post it. I don't uh, care if it's not finished. I don't care if it's, it's probably a pretty good... Uh, Good. I don't care if it's uh, bad. Go minutes, post so exactly what you're doing right now. Watching don't, that. Don't even... But as it relates to this DA case, I've been asked not to um, disclose anything as it relates to what they're doing. Now, one of the things that did come out on my appearance on CNN with Don Lemon uh, yesterday morning, and believe me, it's early, you know, 7.15 a.m., one of the things that I did disclose is that the district attorney requested my two phones, the same two phones that were seized by the FBI during the April okay. 2018 raid. And it took me a little time to find them because so it's not the phone that I use any longer right after we...
Marjorie attacks Midas as we expose her lies. Let's talk about prostate cancer. So prostate cancer, is, in fact, is the most common cancer in men. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. So Marjorie Taylor Greene spent the day attacking the Midas Touch Network. Let's pull up the statement that we put out and then the statement that Marjorie Taylor Greene put out attacking us. So uh, our statement was major breaking news alert. The Pentagon confirms that at least three Chinese spy balloons flew over the United States during Trump's presidency and he hid them from the public and never shot them down. Like everything we do here on the Midas Touch Network, we include sources, and we link to defense.gov uh, in the article uh, that talks about how President Biden gave the command to shoot down uh, the Chinese spy balloons immediately, taking decisive action that our United States military immediately neutralized the threat with uh, technology that blocked any intelligence gathering capabilities by the Chinese spy balloon, um, while allowing us to extract information from the Chinese spy balloon for our own intelligence gathering purposes, and that the decision was made to make sure we uh, take down the spy balloon after the threat was neutralized over an area where no Americans would be hurt. Because, for example, right now we know that the uh, debris radius from the uh, explosion taking down the balloon is about seven miles. And it was done over water in South Carolina so as to minimize anybody getting hurt because that is something that's important uh, to the United States government and intelligence leaders, but making sure that their actions don't hurt or name itself other Americans. Getting hit on the breaking news where we were one of the first to break it. Um, since then, a number of other news outlets have done uh, reports on this as well. Um, a new Washington Post article um, talks about you know, several other instances as well, and it's not clear if they're just referring to those three, but uh, in the prior administration, there was a number of other uh, spy balloons, Chinese spy balloons, that entered over. Uh, the United States, the continental United States, and Donald Trump basically covered it up. We didn't know about it because he didn't talk about it. And let's not forget that Donald Trump would consistently say, and pull up this article here, that because he said, I'm like a smart person, that he would skip intel briefs, and he would not pay attention to what our security threats were. Um, so, Marjorie Taylor Greene's response was uh, to us, she goes, This is fake. Here are the facts. Biden and his regime propagandists are trying to give themselves cover for being incompetent fools. That was Marjorie Taylor Greene's statement. We then responded to Marjorie Taylor Greene just reminding the world that we had previously sued Marjorie Taylor Greene in a federal lawsuit a few years back. She ended up settling that lawsuit with us and had to pay us $10,000 for our legal fees. We very quickly donated that money to two groups, that uh, two charitable groups focused on responsible gun ownership. That's how we utilized Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, settlement funds that she had to pay us. And, we sued her because she tried to block us on Twitter in violation of our 
First Amendment rights. We see that in federal court, Central District of California. And thereafter, Marjorie Taylor Greene gave a press conference and called us communists because that's all she has. Uh, name calling. Uh, on the right wing, if you believe that Americans should have good paying jobs, earn a living wage, have great working conditions, we should take care of our veterans, uh, we should make sure a woman can control her body, um, making education accessible, making health care and life-saving care accessible and affordable to all, lowering prescription drug prices. If, if, if you focus on that to these MAGA Republican fascists, that makes you uh, way too woke or that makes you a communist or a Marxist when you focus on those issues, so especially if you support free and fair elections, if you are against insurrections, if you think global pandemics are bad, oh, let me tell you these minor Republicans think that you're just so woke and you're a Marxist and you're a communist and, and they'll just label you all of these things. Look, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, when we our intelligence community was transparent and talked about the Chinese spy balloon, Marjorie Taylor Greene posted this image. Um, to uh, her colleague, Congressman Swalwell. She wrote, Eric, happy Valentine's Day, love, fang fang. This is how not serious uh, these MAGA Republicans are. You know, there was once a time in American history where if there was a national security threat, uh, the political parties would get together. This should be a uh, nonpartisan issue. How do we make sure we protect our national security and also protect the safety of all Americans? Let's come together and do that. But with the modern-day MAGA Republicans, they don't. There's 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 no even effort at bipartisanship. It's the outrage machine that they want to create. And then ultimately, when the facts come out, for example, that there were three spy balloons over. America that Donald Trump covered up, at least three, during the Trump administration, then they just basically label you a name. You're a propagandist. You're a deep state. The Department of Defense is deep state, and they're too woke, and they attack the institution, right? So whether they attack the Department of Defense, whether they attack the federal judiciary, whether they attack uh, the State Department, wh wh whatever it is, once the facts come out that rebut their outrage machine and their complete lies and their conspiracy, that's what they go to. And that's why they got to be very quick and they come out and they attack you right away. Just as Marjorie Cadbury attacked the Mighty Touch Network right there and basically said, this is fake, here are the facts. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Donald Trump, Lauren Boebert, Gomer, Matt Gaetz, Jim Jordan. These are despicable people. Donald Trump, despicable people. Right? These are people who have lied about everything in their entire life. For self-aggrandizement, for the MAGA cult, for the fascism they want here in the United States, right? Lie after lie after lie. These are people who support the big lie to overthrow our democracy. And here they go, oh, trust me, this is fake.
don't listen to the Defense Department. Don't listen to our military. Don't listen to the State Department. Don't listen to the facts. We don't believe the briefings. We are going to live in our conspiracy theory bubble of OAN, Newsmax, and Fox, and just build this outrage machine. Well, folks, we're not going to let them. We're not going to let them anymore. Thank you. You're not getting away with it. Welcome. You know that you, the Midas Mighty, that this community is having an impact when the statement that Marjorie Taylor Greene seeks to respond to is our place. It's our breaking news. We are a threat to MAGA fascists because we speak the truth. This community speaks the truth, and it's working. The today that it's working is this right here. Hallelujah. That Marjorie Taylor Greene's main reaction is to attack the Midas Touch network. Honestly, you should all be, I mean this proud. sincerely, you in the community, you who watch this, you who share the videos, you should be proud of yourself because we're spreading the truth each and every day here. And it's hard work because these MAGA fascists, they're relentless with their lies and lies and lies and they have no shame. Yeah. There is no love to these deceptive no shine, people. No shame, no honor. That's why together we call them out, we expose them each and every day. Thank you so much for no watching respect. this video. Hit the subscribe button. We're on our way to 1 million subscribers thanks to your incredible support. So please hit subscribe. If you haven't watched it yet, check out Killing County. It's on Hulu right now. Executive produced it with Colin... Great job, Midas Touch, Mighty Exclamation Point. I am proud producer. Mighty Exclamation Point, I am proud producer. To be producer for you guys. With you guys. Exclamation Point. It's a true crime series that focuses on the crime, the corruption, the police shooting deaths, all in Bakersfield, which just so happens to be Kevin McCarthy's congressional district, highest crime rate, highest homicide rate, most chaos, highest police shooting deaths. George Santos hit with complaint over new sex behavior while in office 17 minutes ago. Four juicy chicken fingers, garlicky buttered Texas toast, and the secret this is Michael Popak, Legal AF, with breaking news about George Santos. You can add to that growing list of problems and legal concerns that people have about him, starting with prosecutors all around the country and around the world, now a sex harassment and sex assault charge that's been brought against him by a former volunteer staffer who has already publicly announced the charges on his personal Twitter feed. That person's name is Derek Myers. Derek Myers claims that he 
was a uh, applicant and in process of getting a full-time job as a staffer in Mr. Santos's congressional office in Washington that would have paid him $50,000. He disclosed during the background check process that he, Mr. Myers, as a journalist in Ohio, had, is currently under criminal indictment for having wiretapped, in this case, recorded a criminal proceeding in court and then released that audio as part of his reporting. And the Ohio prosecutors were not happy about that. Why is that important? Because it's the background of Mr. Meyer's life, a professional life, which he says he properly disclosed to Mr. Santos. And Mr. Santos did not say, uh, okay, well, that's disqualifying event. I mean, many states um, have a clean slate approach to people that are either indicted for something or have been convicted of something and served their time so that they're not permanently barred from getting employment. So the reason this is important is Mr. Myers says that while he was on a small couch inside of Mr. Santos's congressional office, this is where the untoward sexual assault and conduct happened. That Mr. Santos put his hands and groped Mr. Myers, that he touched him in his groin and on his My leg, God. that he also invited him to a date for karaoke, that he asked Mr. Myers if he was on the Grinder app, <laughs> and because Mr. Santos was on the Grinder app, <laughs> completely inappropriate, illegal, if it happened, and if a touching happened, improper touching, unauthorized touching, that is a sexual assault as well. The charges have been made in a letter that Mr. Myers has published on his own committee. What's the Republican report. The ethics committee has confirmed receipt of the letter. The Capitol Police, as is their practice, neither confirmed nor denied the receipt of the police report. Now, Mr. Meyer says that the pretext for his firing, or the fact that they didn't go through with his hiring, leaving him from volunteer to paid employees, is because they said, well, they couldn't get around the fact that he was currently indicted in Ohio on that wiretapping well, you know, uh, uh, illegally recording the criminal court proceeding that he reported on. But Mr. Meyer says that's a pretext uh. for his rebuffing the sexual advances of Mr. Santos while, of course, he worked in that office as a volunteer. One of these two things is true. Hmm. It's either it didn't happen and he was not uh, hired as part of a process because of this criminal indictment against him, or the criminal indictment was known to Mr. Santos in the beginning of the hiring process, which we all know from Mr. Meyer's um, reporting is true, and he took a liking to Mr. Meyer's and made inappropriate sexual advances towards him when, when they were rejected, Mr. Santos retaliated against Mr. Meyer's and decided not to hire them. One of those two things is true. And we add this to the growing list as I mentioned at the top of the hot take, uh, of prosecutors around the world that are investigating Sick. George Santos. The Department of Justice is taking over from the Federal Election Commission an investigation related to campaign expenses and campaign fundraising that Mr. Santos conducted. The Westchester New York District Attorney, which is the county in which the third district resides, at least part of this, is looking into whether there was an illegal grift of trying to collect money from donors on a false resume. We all know now he's admitted as much that his resume is false. 
the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, is looking at similar allegations against him. And now we have reporting that the Eastern District of New York, the Federal District U.S. Attorney's Office for Brooklyn, is looking into whether Mr. Santos, before he became Representative Santos, um, ran a fraudulent charity, raising money, grifting money, by claiming that he was raising money to help get this a wounded veteran's pet and animals. I mean, nothing could be, it's one of the lowest things that you could do would be to create a fake charity saying so that you, you know, that you get the heartstrings pulled and the money and the personal <laughs> pulled of people saying you're helping wounded veterans, dogs, and cats. But that is what the Eastern District of New York is looking at. And now, you know, let, let's, let's throw another one on. Derek Myers. Um, he's, got, uh-huh. he's got his own potential issues as a credible witness because he is under criminal indictment on an unrelated charge in Ohio. Uh, he has filed a police report, which is a crime if it's done falsely. He's filed a statement under, you know, a statement as part of a letter to the House, which is also a potential crime the FBI could investigate if it turns out not to be true. So while it's, yes, it's he said, he said, um, there's a lot of potential perjury and criminal penalties for Mr. Myers if he's not telling the truth. And so right now we're going to have to continue to follow the story. And we'll do that on Legal AF and through Hot Dogs. We don't know. What the story is yet. We know what the allegations are, but we're here to report them in real time as they happen, as we do on my hot takes and on Legal AF, which is a twice-a-week podcast and YouTube show. So we'll pick up with this um, and find out exactly what's going on as investigators and prosecutors get their hands on the charge by Mr. Myers and decide whether it's credible or not credible and whether there's a case against Mr. Santos. While we also wait to see what the House does and whether under the constitutional power they have to expel a member for disorderly behavior, that's the term, whether any or all of these things fit. For the common person and the common use of the language, all of these things, any one of these things that I've talked about on this hot take would constitute a disorderly conduct or behavior, which would... All the investigations right now into hashtag George Santos, exclamation point, LOL, fuck them. Uh, subject Mr. Santos to expulsion by the House under its rules. The only way to get him out, even if he's convicted of a crime, unless the House moves to expel him, he is not automatically removed from Congress. Everybody needs to call Congress 202-224-3121 demands hashtag Santos immediate expulsion. Exclamation point. Do your fucking part as an American. Make a free fucking call, lazy motherfuckers. Heard that here. He could sit in a prison or a jail, and unless he's expelled by the House on a two-thirds vote, meaning there have to be about 70 Republicans joining all of the Democrats to expel him, the person would still be a representative. It's, it's, it's all self-policing. The House has to do it. There's no impeachment proceeding. The Senate can't do a thing about it. 
taxpayers can't file a lawsuit to get rid of him, and prosecutors can't literally take him out of his chair, even if they take him away to prison. That's one of the peculiarities of our checks and balance system. This means we need to speak the F up. Midas touch mighty exclamation points. Let's make some noise and call Congress. Let's make some noise and call Congress, 202-224-3121. Demand they expel George Santos. And all the other Republican traitors from January 6th insurrection, exclamation points. of powers, but if there's enough pressure being put on the Republican majority, which may only be a majority for two years at the rate they're going, or less than two years now, if they don't expel him, it'll be a campaign campaign issue for the Democrats, the continued protection of George Santos by the MAGA and the House Republicans. That's what it's going to come down to. But we'll have to see if this this drumbeat of, of constant bad news and bad information and and criminal liability and jeopardy against George Santos finally makes the Republican leadership do the right thing and and uh, prepare a resolution and vote on it to expel him as a member of the House of Representatives. It rarely happens. It's happened less than 20 times in the entire history of this country. Two-thirds of that amount is civil war-related people that used to be with the you know, the opposition of the union, the Confederacy, and were removed from their seats. It's only happened a couple of times since. 19. Uh, a representative from New Jersey. Well, that's in, not uh, a, many country, times, actually. Out of Ohio, who, who 19 times. crimes, and the House did the right thing and got them out of there. Falls in the Carthage court, and falls in the, in the House Majority's court to see what happens if this latest issue of a potential sexual harassment and sexual assault claim hits the ballot and makes them move towards a resolution to reduce their majority by one vote. We'll see. We'll report on it. How about reduce their fucking minority by 156 votes? That's why we're celebrating with the new democracy for Valentine. We got lots of work to do, but we should all be proud that when democracy was perfect, uh, democracy prevailed. You've earned it. Don't let's see what wait. else we got. Trump loses another federal lawsuit in scathing dismissal order. Yeah, one hour ago. That night got Botox prosthetic. I got treated on my forehead, my crow's feet, and my frown. I'm so happy. Right, well, thanks for... A billion followers. Excellus from the Midas Touch Network. You know, Donald Trump files so many frivolous lawsuits. It's sometimes hard for the large media network. He just posted to an hour ago. All of his lawsuits. He, lo- he got another suit dismissed. Here on the Midas Touch Network, it is critical and pivotal that we highlight each and every time Donald Trump loses a because what he wants to do is file these lawsuits, get the press attention. That he's suing so he could fundraise off it. Then when he loses, the news really isn't out there. No, 
you need to make it clear what a loser he is. And over the past week, Donald Trump lost a major defamation lawsuit that he filed against the Washington Post. It barely got covered that Donald Trump lost this lawsuit. But look, Donald Trump continues to lose each and every lawsuit that he has filed. Yeah, this so is that yet should another example. And, uh, this order by the federal court was handed down on February 3rd, 2023. Again, not much coverage of it anywhere, um, but Donald Trump sued the Washington Post back in March of 2022 based on two articles that the Washington Post wrote. There's one article that was written in the Post online opinion section called The Plum Line, um, and it was written by Greg Sargent, and the article was called Trump Just Invited Another Russian Attack. Mitch McConnell is making one more likely. Um, and in relevant part, what that article did was it discussed special counsel Robert Mueller's investigatory report into Russian interference in the 2016 United States presidential election. And it said the following, and this is in the Washington Post article, which Donald Trump sued and said it was defamatory. But look, Trump lost. This is what Donald Trump though, was alleging was defamatory from the article. Special counsel Robert S. Mueller's investigation concluded that Russia's, quote, sweeping and systematic attack involved massive cyber theft aimed at one major U.S. political party and disinformation warfare designed to divide the country along racial and social lines. Mueller also concluded that Trump and or his campaign eagerly encouraged, tried to conspire with, and happily profited off of those efforts. Yet Mueller did not find sufficient evidence of a criminal conspiracy, but mentioned that Donald Trump was trying to conspire with Russia and invited the help of Russia. Yeah, and then on that article TV, national TV. To Mueller's investigatory report. So that was one article that Donald Trump sued on. Um, the next article that Donald Trump sued on was written by Paul Waldman. And it was called Trump. I can win re-election with just my base. And that one was written June 20th and 2019. This second article at issue in the Waldman article, um, the relevant part that Trump claimed was defamatory, um, says the following. It discussed Trump's 2020 re-election campaign strategy and said this. The 2020 election will obviously be distinct in all kinds of ways we can't yet anticipate. For instance, who knows what sort of aid Russia and North Korea will give to the Trump campaign huh. now that he has invited them to offer their assistance. And Donald Trump argued that by saying he's invited the assistance of Russia and North Korea, <laughs> that that was defamation of Donald Trump's character. So, here in federal court in Washington, D.C., just one interesting fact, the case originally got assigned to Katanji Brown Jackson, um, and then she was elevated to the D.C. Circuit Court and then to the Supreme Court. So the case then went to another federal judge who ultimately um, then went to another federal judge because there was the federal judge that then got assigned to 
was appointed to the D.C. Circuit, and then, uh, in this opinion, went to another federal judge who did the analysis. But here, the federal judge in Washington, D.C., uh, basically uh, explained the law about defamation, and specifically defamation as it relates to a public figure. The seminal case is called New York Times versus Sullivan, um, and a statement regarding a public figure for it to be defamatory has to be made with actual malice, and that is like an intent uh, to lie um, or a reckless disregard for the truth. So regarding the Greg Sargent article, that first article that talks about the Mueller report, the court dismissed Donald Trump's claim that that article was defamatory and said Donald Trump, as a matter of law, would not be able to establish the actual malice standard because, look, the investigatory report was attached to the article. Anybody could read the investigatory report. The Mueller report says what it says. And here you had a reporter that pretty much accurately summarized the Mueller investigation. Yeah and then gave exactly the, what the ability to read it uh, for themselves. The second one is even more interesting, though. And the second one regarding the Waldman article, that 2019 article about the Trump 2020 campaign, inviting, and that's where the court really focused on, inviting assistance from Russia and he from He did on North fucking Korea. TV. And there, the court so. said... This is protected opinion speech by a journalist, and you can sue for defamation regarding uh, someone's opinion. And first, the article was designated as an opinion, which is sometimes good evidence that there uh, th that this is opinion and not a statement of fact. But then the court basically said, "Look, the opinion though is rooted in what Donald Trump actually said." And so this is what the court says on page 13 of its order. The word invited in the allegedly defamatory statement hyperlinks to an unedited transcript of an Oval Office interview where ABC News anchor George Stephanopoulos asked Trump about Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. presidential election and Trump's plans for the 2020 election. During the interview, this exchange occurred. Stephanopoulos, your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on opponents, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? Trump's response, I think maybe we do both. I think you might want to listen. There's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. Stephanopoulos follows up. You want that kind of interference in our election? President Trump, it's not an interference. They have information. I think I take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. But when somebody comes with opposition research, right, they come up with opposition research. Oh, let's call the FBI. The FBI doesn't have enough agents to take care of it, but you go and talk honestly to congressmen. They all do it. They always have, and that's the way it is. 
it's called opposition research. I mean, look, this is just how despicable Donald Trump is, thinking that that's what all members of Congress do, or maybe here, this is the Freudian slip that he's making, that this is what MAGA Republicans have always done, that they've always taken opposition research from foreign powers who want to interfere with elections in the United States. But look, there's a difference between opposition research and foreign governments providing uh, information to intentionally tamper with and interfere with United States elections. The court goes on to say, look, based on all that's before me, the statements in the Waldman article, therefore, uh, you have the Sargent article that's dismissed, you've got the Waldman article that's dismissed, and for the foregoing reasons, defendants, the Washington Post's motion to dismiss is hereby granted. Another loss for Donald Trump. Yay! And in that analysis by the Fuck district court, Judge Rudolph Contreras, United States District Thank Judge you. from Washington, D.C. Another loss for Donald Trump. Thank he loses you, all of Thank you all for watching. Make sure you check out Killing County, the documentary I executive produced with Colin Kaepernick. It's out on Hulu now. It focuses on the crime, corruption, and police shooting deaths that take place. Just so happens to be in Kevin McCarthy's district in Bakersfield. Highest crime, highest homicide rate. Highest police shooting deaths in the entire country. Uh, it is being acclaimed by critics, getting great reviews. It's a true crime thriller. Make sure you check it out on Hulu now. It's called Killing County. Also, make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel. It's free. And check us out at patreon.com slash Touch. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Midas Touch. You'll love the content we have on Midas Touch. But most importantly, Midas when you touch. become a member of our Patreon site, it helps Midas grow this touch. independent media platform. Until next time, I'm Ben Marcellus. Thank you all so much for watching. The best part of waking up? Maggot Sears in my cup. Check <laughs> out the new Maggot Sears mug available now at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. It's 100% union-made right here yeah, in the USA. Welcome. I know I'm not tired of winning yet. <laughs> How about you? Get yours today. Yeah, this is great. At the end of you know, 2021, President Joe Biden my, is briefed is my that podcast. Russia's plan for... Just might not have done that. <clears throat> okay, uh, after getting supposed to try to cover up... Trump has meltdown after getting exposed for China cover eight hours ago posted. Eight, I'm going to start posting these like immediately. I struggled with my like weight for many, many years. Midas Touch. Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump has released a number Caught of on statements the trail. following the revelation that during his administration, on at least three occasions, that the Department of Defense has discussed in public releases so far. There may be a number of other occasions. Um, a Chinese spy balloon entered into the continental United States, and Donald Trump did absolutely nothing about it. Three separate times. In fact, it seems like Donald Trump and the administration completely covered it up 
when they were in office. Unlike President Biden, who took decisive action, made the order to shoot down the spy balloons immediately, wanted to make sure that the threat was neutralized, and that it would be taken down in an area over the waters of South Carolina where it would be safe. Here are the lies, gaslighting, disgusting Fucking hurry up, man. Is feeding to Fuck up these motherfuckers. It is important that we call it out. Wasting all of our time. He goes, the Chinese balloon Precious resources. Just like We're a rich country, but... Show, and everything else surrounding the grossly incompetent Biden administration. They are only good at cheating in elections and disinformation. <laughs> and now they are putting out that a balloon was put up by China during the Trump administration <laughs> in order to take the, quote, heat off the slow-moving Biden fool. China what? had too much respect for Trump for this to have happened. And it never did. Just fake disinformation. No. Anything Donald Trump puts out is fake disinformation. Let's just break down uh, the statement right wow. here. So when Trump refers to the <laughs> Afghan horror show, let's not Getting forget that Mike Pompeo as Secretary I mean, like, of State honey fucking, Why doesn't the fucking Justice Department do your fucking job? Again, what the Afghan yeah. government that was in place wanted, whereby over 5,000 Taliban terrorists were released. With nothing in return. And upon the Taliban by the way. And upon those Taliban terrorists being released, what did they do? They tried to already took over Afghanistan. Because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump was seen to even remove our troops. Said that's what he wanted to do. Instead he released the terrorists. It took President Biden to finally remove American troops from Afghanistan. Not Donald Trump at all. Yeah, by Donald Trump. Thanks. Donald Trump goes on to say, oh, the Biden administration is only good at cheating and disinformation. Again, it's just more projection. Exactly. All Trump does is try to cheat, 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 spread lies, spread the That's why they need to fucking lock him up. Do your job. And Trump says, and now they are putting out that a balloon was put up by China during the Trump administration. It's the Department of Defense. Fucking put him behind bars. You had that information, but... Oh, wait, I remember now. You said that you were too smart to even attend intelligence briefings. Remember, you said, I'm, like, so smart that, like, I don't attend information briefings. I don't need to get the intel briefings. Remember you said that? Because I do. The American people remember that, you fascist traitor. That's yeah. what you said. Yeah. And then you go on to say, oh, they're putting up as a balloon that's put up like that. No, I'm three separate occasions, at least three balloons, spy balloons, while you were in office, and you did absolutely nothing about it at all. And you say, take the heat off the Biden administration. There is no heat. It's from your propaganda echo chamber outrage machine of idiot MAGA fascists who go and hold guns in the sky. <laughs> saying that they're going to shoot the balloon out of the sky. Just the performative BS. Yep. You know there was once a time in our Preach country it, where political parties could join forces and address national security issues? Democrats are doing that. Thank they're adults you. in the room. But no, the MAGA fascist Republican Party of 2023 
points assault weapons up into the sky and says that they're going to shoot the balloon, even though the assault weapons don't have the capability to do that. Even though that the military understands, the military neutralized it right away. President Biden gave the order to shoot it down right away. We were extracting technology from China, not the other way around. But yeah, the MAGA outrage machine, the same outrage machine that wants Americans to get really annoyed at the green M&M and the purple M&M and Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head and gas stoves and whatever the conspiracy theory du jour of the week is. That's no that's the truth. some MAGA fascist echo chamber stupidity. That is not at all. We know what you're doing. We know exactly what you're doing. Preach it, brother. There we go. China yeah, has too much up. respect for Trump for this to have happened. Out here, work won't wait. Some great and gravel. That was a fascist cosplay. The upper hand on hard work. Got my handful of eggs. <clears throat> Thanks for a billion subscribers, by the way. And also, uh, subscribe to Mighty Touch. We're gonna get them a billion subscribers, too. We're gonna race them to see who can get to a billion subscribers first. Okay. Let me tell you something. Ivanka got all of her trademarks for her failed businesses from China. You had a secret Chinese bank account. You paid more money to President Xi. You paid more money in taxes to the Chinese government than you did ever to the United States government. By <laughs> significant, significant amounts. You had secret business deals with Chinese business people connected directly to President Xi. We have your tax returns. We know what you did. You call President Xi your king. You call him king. That's who you are. That's what you do. President Xi is now president for life. I call him king. So no, China didn't respect you at all. China viewed you for the fool that you are. The same way Vladimir Putin viewed you for the fool that you are. The same way Kim Jong-un viewed you yeah. for the fool that you are. The same way everyone in the international community knew what a fool you were. The only fake disinformation is... Preach it, brother! Exclamation points. I am loving this. Thank you. We, we have the info. Want the lawmakers to get a briefing? The Department of Defense happy to give everybody a briefing there. Try to spin it however you want to spin it, but we've got the info. We've got the good. Donald Trump's next response. I, I don't, tell me if you even understand what this even means. Who sends a billion-dollar blimp with the most sophisticated equipment in the world 
and large enough to hold ten cars or three large buses into a complex pattern over the United States without it quite possibly being manned, such as the manned spacecraft? China should have been called to ask. If no, shoot it down. If yes, negotiate the greatest deal ever. I, I, early signs of, de, I mean, not even early signs of dementia. And I, I, I don't want to even give him excuses here. But what the hell is he even saying there? China should have been called to ask. If no, shoot it down. If yes, negotiate the greatest deal. What, to ask if what it, is he if talking about? Them. A man balloons me? I genuinely have no clue what he's, he's saying there, other than that he is a disgusting impressive. individual who just says a bunch of words and just reveals each day what a freaking idiot he is. And finally, this is what Donald Trump writes. He goes, the Chinese would have never floated the blimp balloon over the United States if I were president. Well, you idiot, they flied it over the country three times. And you may want to claim, oh, that's not true, and the Department of Defense is the deep state, and the Secretary of State is the, de is the deep state. You know, everyone's a conspiracy. The only person that, that every American should trust is the guy who lies about literally everything. We should trust you and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, the biggest freaking liars ever. You just wake up lying. There's no words that come out of your disgusting mouth that are truthful. Everything you spew is vomiting lies. The same with all of these MAGA Republicans. But oh, we're supposed to we're supposed to believe the liars. The group who lies about everything. Oh, the people who said that like a miracle, COVID was going to just disappear and it was never even going to reach our shores. The people who lie about every single fact. The people who tell us to inject bleach into our arms. The people who gaslight and lie every day. No, we're not believing you. We know the truth here. It is disturbing. It is disgusting. And the big revelation, of course, is what we've known all along, that you are weak. You are a traitor, and you are weak. And when confronted with things and actions that need to be taken by the military... You are such a coward that you did not take decisive action. It's you who believes you don't have a pandemic if you don't do testing, right? Just don't test and we won't have to work. We just close our eyes to the deaths because you're weak when it comes to actually addressing reality. You don't know how to address reality. So here, just pretend the balloons aren't there and then just cover it up. Everything with you is like that. You pathetic fascist loser. And we're calling it out here, and we're not mincing words. I'm Ben Marcellus from the United States Network. Hit the subscribe Pathetic button. We are on our way to 1 million subscribers, thanks to your incredible support. So please, Pathetic fascist loser.
pathetic fascist loser! Exclamation point. I love it. I love it. I hope the press... I hope all the press could quote you on that tomorrow morning early. Exclamation point lol. Comma early exclamation point lol. Trump is done. We are a failing nation. We call it the China virus. Some China. people call it other things. He started with the China virus. He started with, you know, uh, poking names at DeSantis. We've heard that. And people are tired of it. Angela. Um. Remember Angela? Do you remember? I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. I want to show you a video we made at the Midas Touch oh, Network, amazing. which is going viral right now on Twitter. It's about Trump's humiliating and embarrassing announcement where he says he's running for president. And the thing looks like a funeral at Mar-a-Lago with people literally trying to escape from his speech. And the security was like keeping people who wanted to get the hell out of there. Here, let me play this video that we made. We call it Trump is done. And, and that was trending that for a while. Roll on the clip. I am tonight announcing my candidacy Two. for president of the United States. That's the thing that people keep pushing back on. They don't want to go into a whole nother storm of hate. I actually saw people trying to and people leaving early even before he was on. He's still speaking now. We are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. We call it the China virus. Some people China. Looking at it, it didn't seem as he got the old magic. You know what I mean? We built the wall, we completed the wall. The caravans, I love the name. I love the name. The caravans, a word that I refuse to say. I say, why didn't you raid Bush's place? Why didn't you raid Clinton? They actually started preventing people from leaving. Fake news. The New York Post at the bottom of the page, Florida man makes announcement. I had to fold it over so you could see it. says, Florida man makes announcement. And then, perhaps worst of all, see page 26. Ivanka Trump, yes, she's bowing out of politics. Just after her father's announcement. Look at how time flies. Look how fast it's all going. One thing too, though, that I look forward to is exactly what Biden said when he was asked by some new What do you think is going to happen with the Santos and I'm running the United States of America. I really don't care, but it's going to be fun to watch. Like, it is going to be fun to watch Trump and DeSantis just riff the Republican oh, it's Party. It's going to be even more fun to watch and Trump. As Lindsey Graham jail. said, if we anoint Donald Trump to be the leader of this party, we're going to get what we deserve and he's going to destroy us all. That's when Lindsey Graham had some sense about him in 2015 or so. And right now, Lindsey Graham is fully and completely on the uh, MAGA weirdo deranged train right now. 
But look, as I've always said, and you know this from watching the Bones Touch Network, I'm not a Democrat because I love the donkey logo or I have some specific affinity to the Democratic political party, though it's what the Democrats stand for. While I disagree with a lot of the things or some things that the Democrats do, I agree with some, I disagree with some, I know I have competent adult leadership that is trying to solve problems, that are addressing the problems and are addressing the issues. They're not talking about what the MAGA Republicans are and spreading weird QAnon conspiracy and talking about Mr. Potato Head voice and the green M&M's legs and Disney being woke or not woke. You know, just absurd things that have nothing to do with what American people are going through, right? Democrats are talking about health care. Democrats are talking about education. Democrats are talking about real freedom. A woman's freedom over her body. The freedom of Americans to marry who they love without government intervention. Democrats are talking about infrastructure. Democrats are talking about jobs and bringing manufacturing jobs abroad right here in the United States. Democrats are not just talking about a living wage while Republicans are talking about how do we keep the minimum wage as minimum as be like who the hell supports that? <laughs> Democrats are talking about how can we give people wages with dignity and improve working conditions and improve unions to protect workers and actually treat hard working Americans the way they deserve. None of this Republican trickle-down economic stuff. I mean, just think about what the Republicans even stand for. I mean, the whole idea, if they stand for anything, this idea of let's give billionaires and decamillionaires even more benefits than they already have. Because they have a few yachts and a few nets. Well, great, if, if, you can, if you can get that fantastic, but no. The MAGA Republicans, they need more yachts. They need more <laughs> mega mansions. They need more <laughs> private jets. How are you doing, huh? Are you doing, cuties? To the okay, people. Huh? And that's never actually worked before. Democrats are saying, how can we actually oh. help the workers? How do we focus on them? I mean, what do the Republicans do anytime there is relief or benefits that Democrats try to give to everyday Americans? Boom! Federalist society, get into action, let the Federalist Society file all these lawsuits everywhere. Because God forbid an American gets a benefit that a hardworking American gets a, a benefit that they deserve. And by the way, while the Republicans fight for the billionaires and fist bump each other when they try to take away the health care of our yes. veterans, like, are you kidding me? You know, when I see that Trump video that we made here at the Mindset I'm just of how dangerous, how weird, how deranged that whole, that whole political cult is. Not even a political party. I truly do long for the day. I hope it happens, but I don't have any hope given that Kevin McCarthy and all of these people. Like, I'd love to have normal political debates and normal discussions, but fundamentally we disagree agree that this is a democracy. Fundamentally, we have to agree to treat human beings with compassion. Fundamentally, we have to agree that Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un are not our friends. Fundamentally, we have to agree that when we watch a video like that of Donald Trump, that we condemn it and call it out. It is staring us in the face that that is fascist. That is, that is a three-alarm siren right there. That is... 
something that we all need to call out and condemn and not equivocate in any way. And that's why, by and large, this midterm was a repudiation of MAGA weirdness, MAGA extremism, the QAnon stuff. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like the Republicans are learning their lesson. So we here collectively at the Midas Touch Network, you, us, let's teach them a lesson. Let's keep growing this pro-democracy coalition. Hey, do me a favor. Hit the subscribe button right now. We're on our way to 1 million subscribers. Uh, we're on our way to we just passed 700,000 subs, and it's growing rapidly. So please, it's free. Yeah, go subscribe. Um, let's see, other political ads. Republican sex crimes, and yes. This, this is, I, I need to share this. Five former Ohio State wrestlers accusing Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of knowing about a team doctor's alleged sexual misconduct. Forty-three men who say they were sexually assaulted, abused, molested, or harassed by Dr. Richard Strauss. The former employee at the Republican National Committee was just sentenced to 12 years in prison for possession of child porn. They also told people in this group that his preference was for babies and saying that they were his, quote, absolute favorite and uh, solicited another Ew. member of the group for videos of babies being raped. George Nader, oh his criminal God. history included multiple convictions Fucking for child pornography and child molestation. This morning, a dead city dropped 40 to 50 years in prison, police caught Shorty in a hotel room with a then 17-year-old boy. The new charges Shorty. against Gerald Greenberg, sex trafficking of a minor and stalking a political opponent. Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates allegedly having a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. Investigators examining whether he, quote, violated federal sex trafficking laws. To all of a sudden act like this phenomenon of girls getting pregnant at, that, at, a, at a young age that we consider young, 16 or 17, to act, to act like it's a new thing is ridiculous. Girls between the ages of like 17 and 24 is when they're technically most fertile. Yiannopoulos arguing sexual relationships between 13-year-old boys and men in their 20s could be consensual. Some of those relationships between younger boys and older men, the sort of coming-of-age relationships, the relationships in which those older men help those young boys to discover who they are. Back in 2004, uh, Lauren Boebert's husband, Jason Boebert, was arrested for indecent exposure uh, because he decided to reveal his penis to waitresses. Turned out one of the waitresses was 17. 33-year-old reality TV star Josh Duggar is in serious trouble. Charged with receiving and possessing child pornography. Duggar was taken into federal custody. Accused of downloading child sexual abuse material online.
let's get back to the show. Okay, where were we? Before we so rudely interrupted. Oops, no, that's not YouTube, that's... There we go. Republican sex crimes and bad behavior exposed in shocking mega viral supercut. Nah. It was called hash, that was hashtag with it. Former Ohio State wrestlers accusing Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of knowing about his team doctor's alleged sexual misconduct. 43 men who say they were sexually assaulted, abused, molested, and harassed by Dr. Richard Strauss. The former employee of the Republican National Committee was rejected to 12 years in prison for possession of child porn. He also told uh, people in this group that his preference was for babies sickening. and saying that they were his, quote, absolute favorite and uh, solicited another member of the group for videos of babies being raped. Nader. His criminal history included multiple convictions for child pornography and child molestation. This morning, a judge sentenced Ralph Shorty to 15 years in prison. Police caught Shorty in a hotel room. The police tried to prevent Sarah Greenberg from the trafficking of a minor and stalking a political opponent. Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates allegedly having a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. Investigators examining whether he, quote, violated federal sex trafficking laws. To all of a sudden act like this phenomenon of girls getting pregnant at at, at, a, at a young age that we consider young, 16 or 17, to act, to act like it's a new thing is ridiculous. Girls between the ages of like 17 and 24 is when they're technically most fertile. Yiannopoulos arguing sexual relationships between 13-year-old boys and men in their 20s could be consensual. Some of those relationships between younger boys and older men, the sort of coming-of-age relationships, the relationships in which those older men help those young boys to discover who they are. Jason Boebert was arrested for indecent exposure uh, because he decided to reveal his penis to waitresses. Turned out one of the waitresses was 17. 33-year-old reality TV star. Low batteries. Yep. receiving and possessing child pornography. Duggar was taken into federal custody, accused of downloading child sexual abuse material online, showing children under the age of 12. Three women accused the Tennessee state representatives of abusing them when they were teenagers and he was their high school. This should be fucking plastered all over their social media feed. He was just the chairman of the key state oh, house education them. subcommittee. These representatives of Tennessee have been working on a bill that's obviously a Republican-dominated legislature. The House version of the bill, as it was introduced, low batteries. It means it could. This is a masterpiece. Comma guys, exclamation point. Everybody, Midas Touch Mighty. Share this link all over these motherfuckers' social media feeds. It will destroy them. What is the hashtag for it? Question mark. 
paved the way to legalize child marriage, like child brides. Congressman Rose's engagement announcement. No, that is not his daughter. They reportedly met while she was in high school. Low battery. Cult leader Warren Jeffs, who was convicted of sexually assaulting minors. Well, well actually, he's not in prison for that. He didn't, Warren Jeffs didn't marry underage girls. No, he's, he's in prison for facilitation. Low battery. Has made a lifelong commitment to live and take care of the person. So here's a little different. A man running for a college district's governing board arrested for masturbating on a campus. A Maricopa County College police officer uh, found Randy Kaufman with his pants down, masturbating disgusting. in his truck at 4:30 in the afternoon in the Rio Salado College campus. The parking lot, just feet away from a preschool and child care center where kids were outside playing. A former Trump official who has pled guilty to child porn charges. He's a former Commerce Department official in the Trump administration, sentenced to a five and a half year prison term after pleading guilty to possession of child pornography. This is Adam Hageman. Tony Lazaro allegedly gave underage girls expensive gifts and money in exchange for sex. He is charged with sex trafficking. A former Florida Elections Commission attorney pleaded guilty today to conspiring to distribute, receive, and possess child pornography. Prosecutors say Eric Matthew Lipman shared the videos on a file hosting site. He faces up to 20 years. The stunning political scandal that is rocking Capitol Hill. Republican Congressman Mark Foley abruptly resigned Friday after questionable emails he sent to a teenage boy. Dennis Pastor convicted of a financial crime, part of a scheme to mask something more egregious, his molestation of children. A former member of Governor Ivy's staff was arrested for child solidification charges. This is a 36- Solidication? What the fuck is wrong with you idiots? Solidification? Boy, more defiant than your accusers step forward alleging sexual misconduct. This is the shopping mall where some say it was common knowledge and not a big secret that Roy Moore would flirt with teenage girls when he was in his 30s. One accuser says that Moore initiated a sexual encounter back in 1979 when she was just 14 years old. A jury found Ghislaine Maxwell guilty of five out of six federal charges, including sex trafficking of minors. I've met her numerous times over the years, especially since I lived in Palm Beach, and I guess they lived in Palm Beach, uh, but I wish her well. Yeah, everybody share this shit. Okay. I'm gonna follow my my own. The darkness that has happened is this. If you want to destroy the Republicans, comma share this hashtag Midas Touch political ad exclamation point. It is fucking genius. All about how the Republicans are the pedos, comma, groomers, and perverts, exclamation point. Black cloud, the vapor, that energy just consumes your whole tribe. Since colonization, Native women have been targeted. Multiple families grieving over teenage girls. There's so many of them. You can get killed real easily around here. 
to destroy the Republicans just share the shit out of this video for possession of child porn they also told people in this group that his preference was for babies and saying that they were his quote absolute favorite and uh, solicited another member of the group for videos of babies being raped George Nader his criminal history included multiple convictions for child pornography and child molestation. This morning, a judge sentenced Ralph Shorty to 15 years in prison. Police caught Shorty in a hotel room with a then 17-year-old boy. The new charges against Joel Greenberg. Sex trafficking Joel of a minor Greenberg. and stalking a political opponent. Order Republican Congressman Matt Gates allegedly having a sexual relationship with a 17-year-old girl. Investigators Shots. examining whether he, quote, violated federal sex trafficking laws. To all of a sudden act like this phenomenon of girls getting pregnant at, that, at, at a young age that we consider young. 16 or 17 to act, to act like it's a new thing is ridiculous girls between the ages of like 17 and 24 is when they're technically most fertile Indianapolis arguing sexual relationships between 13 year old boys and men in their 20s could be consensual some of those relationships between younger boys and older men the sort of coming of age relationships the relationships in which those older men have helped those young boys to discover who they are back in 2004 uh lauren bobert's husband jason bobert was arrested for indecent exposure uh because he decided to reveal his penis to waitresses turned out one of the waitresses was 17. 33 year old reality tv star josh duggar is in serious trouble charged with receiving and possessing child pornography. Duggar was taken into federal custody, accused of downloading child sexual abuse material online, showing children under the age of 12. Three women accused a Tennessee state representative of abusing them when they were teenagers, and he was their high school basketball coach. Not only did the Republicans stay in office, he was re-elected, and he was just named chairman of a key state house education. 
subcommittee. State representatives in Tennessee have been working on a bill that's obviously a Republican-dominated legislature. The House version of the bill, as it was introduced, didn't include an age minimum. Yeah. It, it, it means it could pave the way to legalize child marriage, like child brides. Congressman Rose's engagement announcement, no, that is not his daughter. They reportedly met while she was in high school. He was about 42. Tucker's talking about former cult leader Warren Jeffs, who was convicted of sexually assaulting minors. Well, actually, he's not in prison for that. He, Warren Jeffs didn't marry underage girls. No, he, he's, in, he's in prison for facilitation of child rape. Whatever the hell that means, the rapist in this case has made a lifelong commitment to live and take care of the person, so I, it is a little different. A man running for a college district's governing board, arrested for masturbating on a campus, a Maricopa County College police officer found Randy Kaufman with his pants down, masturbating in his truck at 4.30 in the afternoon in the Rio yeah, Salado College. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him all. So yeah, thanks for a million subscribers. I'm cleaning up. Mm, Two million views on Twitter. Hmm? Oh. Yeah, Two million views. That got two million views. Let's get this video constantly trending until these motherfuckers are removed from office and thrown behind bars where they belong. Okay, political ads. New viral Taylor Swift. Get out the vote. I've ever seen that. Violent GOP. I've actually covered these. Covered these before. Streamed three days ago. <laughs> um, it's a nice title. Trump and MAGA in complete freefall and it's glorious. Had two million views. Good for them. Viral. Mega viral. Let's see, secret recording released. Okay, let's, let's, let's get this party started. I'm coming out, so you better get this party started. Coming out, I'm coming. I'm coming out. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks for your listeners. And also shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University. A very and Kikuchi Takoyaki Travel Radio Travel Radio Travel Radio on the Red Trista Show. Leaked secret recordings expose cr- Trump's criminal intent. 
<laughs> I was skeptical when I started yeah, taking this yeah. collagen for my skin. I got this from Kiss Earth and only after four weeks I started seeing results. More bad news are in Wisconsin yet to use the words of members in the Great exclamation point. The more bad news for Trump, the better for everybody on the fucking planet. Exclamation point. Why does touch mighty make a noise? Planets. Exclamation point. Midas touch mighty. Please speak the F up and demand the traitors from January 6th insurrection are charged and removed from office under the 14th Amendment. Exclamation point. Have a blessed day, y'all. Wow. Okay, so right now I'm, I'm like fixing up this thing. Uh, I didn't I guess I didn't speak clearly enough. Charge. We're charging with from Muffins in the Fourteenth Amendment. to continue to fan the flames about the election being stolen and everyone needs to be on standby so that we can pull some stunts. And in the same recording, the Trump what? campaign officials also Wait, say, I bet Mike Sellers from the Midas Touch Network, there are tapes, yes, there are tapes recorded, uh, recorded surreptitiously within the Trump campaign in 2020, demonstrating that Donald Trump and the Trump campaign was clearly aware that they had lost the 2020 election. Two days ago, posted. these recordings are in Wisconsin, yet to use the words of members in the Trump campaign, they wanted Tom to continue to fan the flames about the election being stolen, and everyone needs to be on standby so that we can pull some stunts. And in the same recording, the Trump campaign official also said he lost. He only lost by 20,000 votes, but then he turned out more votes. And at the same time, though, saying, communications department, they're going to fan the flames of election fraud that doesn't exist in order to spread election disinformation and to spread election conspiracy and claim the election was stolen. The Trump campaign official who is recorded in these audio tapes is someone by the name of Andrew Iverson. Andrew Iverson was the head of Wisconsin for Trump. Um, he said, 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 he
So let me play this first clip, though. This is Andrew Iverson from November 5th of 2020, where he admits that Republicans and Donald Trump just didn't get the votes they needed. They lost by 20,000 votes in Wisconsin. He claims that the Republicans should be proud of their efforts in Wisconsin, uh, but just didn't, weren't, were not able to win uh, the election in Wisconsin. Here, let's play this clip of Andrew Iverson. He had Thank you. 
So we know that Jack Smith subpoenaed local and state officials um, and his documents, and likely had audio records. They probably had audio records in other states. Yeah, because y'all aren't it's fucking Robin standing Bob. up and saying no, go on behind bars. Justice Department's job. Twenty-four minutes ago, Trump attacks Republicans in unhinged pose. <laughs> I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Donald Trump went on his social media platform to attack Chris Christie, the former Republican governor of New Jersey. Of course, Chris Christie had helped Donald Trump prep for the debate against President Biden. And in that prep session, Donald Trump and Mark Meadows and Trump's team had concealed that they were aware that Donald Trump 
uh, was positive for COVID, and then Donald Trump spread his COVID to Chris Christie, who came very close to dying as a result of Trump concealing his COVID status. Uh, nonetheless, Chris Christie um, has been generally supportive of Donald Trump, although as an ABC analyst over the past week or so, Chris Christie has said that he does not believe Donald Trump can win in a 2024 general election. And he said, look, he lost in 2020, he lost in the midterms in 2022, Candidates who he endorsed, and he's not electable in 2024. So that's yeah, context. plus he's going to be behind bars. Quote, sloppy Christmas. Plus, y'all have to keep in mind that Trump will be behind bars in 2024. We all need to Basically engaged in attempted murder 
uh, or at least negligent homicide with respect to Chris Christie and tried to spread his COVID as well during the presidential debate. Like, the large media networks just, like, forget about it. That Trump actually covered up that he had COVID and could have killed Biden and probably was trying to do that uh, in the first presidential debate. I knew debate. it! Um, but look, as we say over and over again, this is why you absolutely can't give Donald Trump an inch. I'm going to talk in a moment about uh, Larry Hogan, former governor of in prison already. Republican wife, a very, very harsh words for who's disappointed me so much over the past week. But there is no appeasing people like Hitler. There is yeah. no appeasing people right. like Mussolini. Don't neg- bother negotiating with terrorists. Of those two. Trump is a wannabe authoritarian. He's incompetent. He's an idiot, which is a good thing for the country. But Trump's malignant narcissism is the same strand. Trump is just a complete idiot. So you combine the idiocracy with the malignant narcissism, and that's how you have people dressed in barbarian outfits calling themselves the shaman on January 6th, though mixed with very dangerous elements of terrorist groups like Oath Keepers and Proud Boys and Three Percenters and people uh, trying to overthrow our democracy, but violent means. That's why you have, though, that merger of the idiocracy meets fascism and this weirdness, this QAnon death cult, strange behavior. But you can't appease Christo-fascist. You know, Chris Christie, Larry Hogan, Pence, you know, all of these people. A true leader calls out this conduct. It's reprehensible. You know, we talk about these posts that Donald Trump makes, not to give it attention for the sake of giving it attention. Look, the large media didn't give it attention all the time. They give it attention flattering. We bring yeah, this to humor him because one of these alone is disqualified. If President Biden took to his Twitter account and posted one QAnon news, I'd want to wait for confirmation that he did it. But if Biden did it, I wouldn't support him. I wouldn't care that he's created millions and millions of jobs, that he is the greatest jobs president in the history of the United States. I, I wouldn't care about his infrastructure bill. I wouldn't care about all of the ways he's reduced our deficit. I wouldn't care about all the successful policies. I have standards. And if someone who's leading this country reflects that they support QAnon in any way, I think that they're not capable yeah. of leading, and I would not be supportive. Congress needs to. Track record. Trump has no successful track record. Everything he touches goes to absolute crap. He's a loser. He's These white supremacist terrorist groups of Trumpy need to be need to be designated as terrorist organizations exclamation point proud boys oath keepers three percenters maga the entire republican party Howard, he's a traitor in everything that he does but also it is combined with these statements that any one of them are disqualified. Yet he's treated like normal. And we need to call that out. And then you have Chris Christie saying, I'm the cause of Donald Trump's new tantrum. And you should just basically say Donald Trump is a traitor. He's a complete fraud. 
he should not be anywhere near the party. Not that, oh, he could win or lose. You know, The idea that what the focus on is winning, when a win for Donald Trump means our Constitution would be terminated, just goes to show you that these MAGA Republicans just don't care about our country at all. Here, let me just show you the clip, though, from Chris Christie that Donald Trump was reacting to here. Play this clip of Chris Christie. I've said over and over again that he can't win a general election. And, and, and that's not speculation. That's based upon the polling that I was privy to pre the 2020 election uh, and what we saw actually happen in the 2020 election. And it's only gotten worse since then. Then add to it what you saw happen in 2022. The election deniers losing across the country. Bad candidates like Mastriano in Pennsylvania dragging the entire Pennsylvania ticket down in a historic way. Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Tim Michaels, uh, Tudor Jones. We could go through the entire list. Loser, 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 loser. And I think Republicans are recognizing that. Okay, now I want to talk about Larry Hogan for a second because... When Larry Hogan, Larry Hogan wants to run for president, he's not going to win. He's not going to come close. The MAGA Republicans, he, he, you know, when these Republicans today believe that they can change the Republican Party, they can't anymore. Any normal Republican has left at this point. They're now an independent. They're not a MAGA Republican. You're not going to win in a Republican primary if you believe the insurrection was bad as Larry Hogan did, if you believe that insurrectionists are criminals, if you believe they're not political prisoners, if you call them out, you're not going to be able to win a Republican primary anymore. You got to be an election denier. So Larry Hogan has no chance, but because he wants to win so badly, he goes, he will have to support the Republican nominee, even if that's Donald Trump. It's so disappointing because I thought Larry Hogan was a little bit more moderate and making normal statements. He did the right thing on January 6th, but this just goes to show you, for Republicans, it's all about power. They will sell their soul and their dignity in a second, as Larry Hogan just did there. But here's the payback. So, Larry Hogan, you said that about Donald Trump. This is Trump's response to you. Let me make it easy on rhino Larry Hogan, who is not going anywhere. Zero chance whether he announces for president or not. I don't want Larry Hogan's endorsement and won't accept it if it is given to me. It is possible. Is it possible to say it in any simpler than that? Thank you. Is it possible to say it any simpler than that? Thank you. So that is what you get when you say things like, I'm going to support whoever the Republican nominee is, even if it's Trump. You got to be strong. You got to be assertive. You got to be unequivocal. That's how Trump backs down. Now, if you look at what Judge Donald Middlebrooks, the judge in the Southern District of Florida, did, when he issued those sanctions against Donald Trump, Donald Trump then immediately backed down and withdrew other lawsuits that he had filed because you stand up to authoritarians, especially a weak, coward authoritarian like Trump. They back down. But here, you have these situations where Trump's just going to attack Christie. Christie will attack, will basically kind of take it and go, oh, I'm the target of another tantrum. You know, same thing with Larry Hogan. But I think Americans are taking notice now. The pro-democracy coalition gets it. We recognize who the fascists are. The Democratic leadership by Hakeem Jeffries is different, right? Aggressive, assertive, calling out these fascists.
speaking through the pro-democracy language that is just so vital right now. That's what we're going to keep on doing here at the Midas Touch Network. So thank you all for watching this. Thanks Hit subscribe. All. It's free to subscribe. Check out, by the way, Killing County. And it's, it's also on Hulu free right to call all so three branches of government and demand these motherfuckers are removed from office. You deserve it, America. So try to raise your standards a little bit, America. America. Uh, full episode, stream days ago. Mm -hmm. This is my man. <laughs> Top former federal prosecutor and Michael Cohen predicts who will indict Trump first. <laughs> yeah, Culper with Michael Cohen. Let's hear it. Feeling the aches and pains of everyday life? Looking for a 100% drug-free supplement to help you move care? Okay, so Ellie, always great to have you on the show. And I want to start by saying congratulations. Uh, congratulations on your new book, Untouchable. How's that going so far? Uh, thanks, Michael. You know, the book came together really sort of naturally and organically. Um, here's the story of it. I wrote my first book. Hatchet Man, about Bill Barr, which we talked about on your podcast, criticizing Bill Barr for being a political hack. Um, and yeah, by as the soon way, it, it should have that, that book should have been called Scumbag, but go ahead, please. Okay, well, that's one word. Is that one word or two? Hatchet Man's two. Um, I, like the, I like the typical Michael Cohen uh, conciseness there. Um, and within a couple of weeks of it coming out, the publisher, HarperCollins, said, well, what are you going to do next? And I said, I don't really have any other topics in mind. And they said, well... What's the question you get asked most? They said, take a week or so, take a few days and think about it. And I said, I, I'll tell you right now, I don't need a week. How does he get away with it? And <laughs> that he who gets away with it can vary. Um, a lot of different powerful people I've heard that question about. But of course, the most common he is Donald Trump. How the hell does he get away with it? And what I do in the book is I combine a couple different uh, sort of sources to answer that question. One, I take my own experience as a federal prosecutor and state prosecutor. And I found as I wrote this book that there were a lot of parallels between what mob, actual mob bosses, I was a mafia prosecutor, did to protect themselves, and what Trump and others do. Two, I took public reporting about Trump and research about not just the Trump case, but Jeffrey Epstein and Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and CEOs and CFOs and other politicians and tried to draw common uh, themes. And then Third is I have original reporting in the book. I tell the story for the first time, the full behind the scenes story of the prosecution of you, Michael Cohen, and how it ended up, how the hell it ended up that you were the only person ever charged for the hush money scheme when you were at most, and I, I think you probably will, you know, at most you were a bad man. You, were, you signed a couple checks, but the beneficiaries, the real people pulling the strings here, not only did Donald Trump never get charged, but he never got touched. And there are ways that I lay out in the book that the bosses at DOJ stepped on the SDNY to make sure that Donald Trump didn't take on any damage. So it came together really well. It's it's my attempt based on my own experience and my own reporting to at least give some sense of how it is that smart, savvy, powerful people game the system. And what, what did you end up finding in regard to that as far as my um, as far as my, um, yeah. my case was going, simply because Jeffrey Berman himself, in his own book, which yeah. I would not recommend anybody read it because <laughs> it's garbage, but the same, the same as it relates to Jeffrey Berman, he acknowledged that he was 
under a pressure campaign from Maine Justice to whitewash any anything to do with Donald as related to the hush money payment. Yeah, so in fact, I've actually filed a bark complaint against him uh, for it, and I'm still waiting for somebody to send me a letter, even though I know that they received it, because I do have a case number, but it hasn't been assigned yet. Here's my first question for Jeffrey Berman, who, and just so listeners understand, Jeffrey Berman was the U.S. attorney for the SDNY during your prosecution. However, at the time, Jeffrey Berman did the right thing. It, it is the right thing, but I'm putting it in scare quotes because of the way he did it. He recused himself because it's not entirely clear, but the, the general thinking was because he was the U.S. attorney, he had been nominated by Donald Trump, he had donated to Donald Trump, and therefore felt like it would be, would be best if he separated himself from the case so there's no conflict of interest. And instead, this guy named Rob Kuzami, who I know you dealt with, who was the number two person in the office, ran the case. When you are recused as a lawyer, you are doing that right. for ethics reasons. And that means I am out of this case. I don't. I shouldn't be told anything about this case. I shouldn't be updated on this case. Yet somehow, Jeffrey Berman, Mr. Recusal, has this whole story to tell about the case. I don't know whether he's ever been asked, but how did you know all this, Mr. Recusal? He's not a reporter. He didn't report anything. So clearly either, I, I don't know. I don't know what how, what his sources were. I don't know whether he breached that wall of recusal. Um, I, I'm not sure. No, no, he states it. Ellie, he states in his book that he was contacted on multiple occasions right. by Maine Justice. So much they for the recusal. They were reaching yeah. out to him. But, and by the way, part of his recusal also had to do with the fact that his brother had some business relationship with David Pecker, who uh, ended up taking over the magazine George, that AMI. his brother Michael had been involved with. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So what I found in my research, and I talked to people on all sides of this, um, you know, all perspectives on this, and, and the the... Bottom line is DOJ stepped on the SDNY um, in in making sure that Donald Trump did. Look, they couldn't have charged Donald Trump, but there's two aspects of this. One is when they were coming up with your charging document, Michael, which typically is an indictment, but because you pled guilty was was what we call an information. There was a real conflict that broke out between DOJ and the SDNY, the actual people running the cases, not Berman. Um, as that charges we're listening to on michael a friday cohen to a monday first talking to a top ever, prosecutor about who will be the first to indict trump and there was no way in the world that i was ever going to put her in harm's way and mm -hmm. so i did what i had to do to protect my wife and my family i think and michael i think our books are, are interesting bookends to one another in that respect i mean you give the perspective really a unique perspective on what it's like to be in the crosshairs of the justice department i mean i don't think people understand how terrifying that is how how precarious your position is financially personally your liberty your, you could go to jail and, and yes prosecutors my, do have various, my wife's liberty <clears throat> yeah exactly i mean that's the sort of the ultimate pressure tactic and i think there's a fair debate about whether that's fair or ethical or not, especially if they didn't actually intend to charge her, which I don't know the answer to. I, what I give in this book also is the other side. What was happening inside the SDNY, inside DOJ, when they're, <clears throat> excuse me, when they're trying to figure out how to charge you, how to charge other people, will they charge other people? And really in the bottom line analysis, it's not fair, it's unjust, it, it's indefensible that you are the only person who ever got charged for this. And I give the sort of behind the scenes prosecutorial machinations behind that. 
Yeah, it is a perfect bookend. But let me just move on for a second, because yep. we're going to talk about another institution that seems to be all fucked up now, and I'm referring to the Which Supreme one? Court of the United <laughs> the Supreme Court of yep. the United States, right? About the leak um, at the Supreme Court yes. that they just can't seem to investigate on their own. Do they not care yeah. that they're now seen, right, or that they're being seen at their lowest approval rating ever in the history of the Supreme Court? I mean, because the justices were interviewed, but they weren't interviewed under oath. And you as a prosecutor, former prosecutor, know if you're not doing it under oath, well, there's no penalty really for lying. The question I want to ask you is why? And if Alito leaked the... Hobby Lobby draft, right? Would it make sense that he would do something like this again? I mean, where is the independent investigation of the court? So I, I mostly share in that view. Great um, I, I, I understand fully why the Supreme Court's approval levels at the lowest level ever, and they deserve it, by the way. I've been very critical of them, not only for being nakedly political, for these various breaches that have occurred, but also... I'm kind of tired of being hectored by whether it's Justice Alito or Justice Amy Coney Barrett or Justice uh, Breyer for that case, all finger wagging at us. We're not political. The only reason people think we're political is because the media and we're not political because we say we're not political. How about showing that in your actual actions? The fact that they've become so eminently predictable, you know where every mm -hmm. case is going to come out and you know how you know where every case is going to come out. You go, what do conservatives want? What do liberals want? The six are going to be here. The three are going to be here. Maybe once in a while, one or two may cross over. And you need two, obviously, to swing the result. Um, from the Bush versus Gore decision on through uh, uh, you know, the, the Dobbs decision overruling Roe. Now, regarding the leak, so you're right, Justice Alito didn't actually leak the opinion, but he did, according to this, this guy who ran this sort of influence campaign, he did loose lip sync ships. He did mention at a dinner, allegedly, how the Hobby Lobby decision was going to come out five to four, and that he, Alito, was writing the decision, which ended up being five to four, Hobby Lobby won, and Alito wrote the decision. We didn't actually see the written ruling. The Dobbs leak, of course, was basically 99.9% .9 of what exactly ended up being the final decision. I My view on this investigation that they're doing inside the Supreme Court is there's some home cooking going on here. Like, if they really wanted to know, let me put it this way. If someone came down to Chief Justice John Roberts and said, you have to figure out who did this leak, you have to do it within the law. But if you don't figure out who, who committed this leak within a month, the world's going to get struck by a meteor. And so you have to do it. They would find that out in two days. They can absolutely figure out who did this leak if they want to. But remember who they delegated this to was the Supreme Court's marshal, or I may not even be getting the title right. FBI is right up the street, by the way. If you really want to figure this right. out, they'll crack it for you. But the Supreme Court is the ultimate hoity-toity you know, what goes on in this marble palace is our business and we shall figure it out ourselves. And so I'm kind of skeptical that they ever give us a real answer. As to, And by the way, as to who leaked it, I'm like 50-50 on this. And I'll tell you, I'm, this is the speculate, the fun speculation part of this. When it first came out, my, my initial instinct was that's got to be one of the liberal, I don't know, justice clerk staffers, just angry and trying to sort of warn the world and, and lashing out. But then I thought about it more and I said, well, but 
who actually stands to gain here? Because at the time mm-hmm. it was right. It, they, it, there was the five conservative justices who wanted to straight up overrule Roe. And Roberts was trying to pull people to the middle. Joan Biskupic from CNN has reported on this. And if he pulled one of them to the middle, which would have been not quite overruling Roe, but, you know, gutting it, that would have that would have meant they would not be overruling Roe. And I think if whoever leaked this, their motivation could have been, let me freeze those five justices in place, because now it's going to be impossible for any of the five to change and go over and join Roberts in the middle, because if they do, everyone will know that they change position and they'll be accused of being spineless and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, there would have been an incentive either way. I genuinely, it's like a coin flip to me, whether it came out of, but I think one of those two will end up being the story. Probably. So to be exact, the they ended up bringing on a court martial. I mean, I, I don't even know where this name comes from, but her <laughs> name happens to be Gail Curley. Okay. And she was the one that they asked to oversee this probe, right? And she went ahead and she put out a statement on her own right. in regard to this because obviously there was a lot of people who were very unfulfilled. We seem to be very unfulfilled as a country right now with holding anyone other than Michael Cohen accountable. Right, but right. she writes into this statement that she spoke with each of the justices some several times, right? As we would say, my grandma would say, oh, Baruch Hashem, right? Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, she spoke to some several times. Right. And that the justices, and I'm going to quote here, actively cooperated, asking questions and answering mine. And then she further goes on, I followed up on all credible leads, none of which implicated the justices or their spouses, right? Adding that on this basis, oh yeah, I wonder too, hello Jeannie, right? And then finishing up and saying, on this basis, I did not believe that it was necessary to ask the justices to sign sworn affidavits. Now, with all due respect, Gail, I think that you have two people on this podcast for certain, myself and my friend Ellie over here, that would disagree with you. I believe that they should have signed affidavits because if it was you, you would have been forced to sign an affidavit. Clearly, I would as well, right? So why do they get to escape what the rest of us don't? I totally agree. It's home cooking. It's soft peddling of powerful people. And by the way, so a couple things on this. First of all, Justice Alito, and I've written about this with the Hobby Lobby decision, I don't find him credible. He denied, he said, I never said a word about, I categorically deny all of that. Yet there are emails from the time showing that somehow this guy and his wife who had dinner with the Alitos just week, okay, so let me backtrack. When the Hobby Lobby decision was argued, this guy and his wife sat in Justice Alito's special seats in the Supreme Court. Each justice, I guess, gets four tickets or two tickets to each argument. These two folks had Justice Alito's tickets. They sat in the courtroom for the Hobby Lobby, okay? Then a couple weeks later, they go to dinner with the Alitos, and then there's emails showing those people who went to the dinner with the Alitos are emailing back to the guy at the, at the influence campaign saying, hey, they told us that it's going to be 5-4, that Hobby Lobby's going to win, and that Alito's writing the opinion. And that's exactly how it played out. Now, Alito has said, no, absolutely not. How'd they know that? Maybe it was a lucky guess. I mean, yeah, you could have seen that it was going to be a close decision, and maybe you could have guessed that Alito would write it. I don't know. I I have questions about Justice Alito's credibility. But look, Michael, we see all the time, I write about this in the book, the more powerful you are, the more consideration, the more people are likely to sort of 
tap dance around you. I'll give you a couple other quick re recent examples. The January 6th committee, by and large, did a very good job, in my view. Very effective, really advanced our understanding of what happened. However, they served subpoenas left and right. They held Steve Bannon in contempt. They held Peter Navarro in contempt, as they should have. But what happened when they tried to subpoena their own fellow members in Congress? Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, on down the line. Nothing. Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan flipped them the bird. And what did the committee do? Nothing. Did they seek contempt? No, absolutely nothing. So people were treated absolutely differently there based on they're powerful. They're members of Congress. That's one example. And I also give examples in the book. Look, if you look at DOJ policy, it says specifically, if this is a case that's likely to draw national media attention, if this is a prominent politician or other prominent figure, it has to go up to higher and higher levels of review. And I give some examples in the book. When I had cases, when I was a little low, you know, line level player at the Justice Department, I had a couple cases that hit on celebrities or hit on famous people that if they if there wasn't a famous person, one of them involves a major league baseball player, a pretty well-known major league baseball player. And because it involved a well-known guy, if, if, it, if it wasn't a well-known baseball player, I would have just made the decision myself, do we charge not? Because it involved this famous influential guy, we had to go up and up and up the levels. And the higher up you go in these levels, the more people there are who can step on a case or say, I don't see it or no. And then your case, Michael, was micromanaged to death. Every word that was written went all the way up the chain in the SDNY, all the way up the chain at DOJ. And that resulted in everyone but you getting sort of a, a soft pass. You know, I'm going through the same thing right now in California. I followed the bar complaint against this guy named Brent Blakely, who was representing me in regard to the defamation case uh, with Stormy Daniels against myself and Trump, as well as bringing uh, an action against her uh, right. for making the statements that she did in violation of the non-disclosure, yada, yada, yada. That's what they turned and they said, I'm 18 months into this thing. Right. He actually acted and negotiated a settlement with the Trump. The whole thing is just beyond crazy. And I keep saying to the folks that are there, well, where's the decision? It shouldn't take 18 months when right. there's clearly an ethical violation of a lawyer acting for his best interest, which is against the interest of his client, meaning me. And yeah. so they said, well, because you're high profile, this high profile bullshit <laughs> is just, I mean, it's just fucked up because well, at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't help you to be high profile. In fact, to the contrary, it hurts you. It, it, it does. I mean, it can go either way, actually, Michael. You know, it's interesting because in a lot of respects, it can help you. But sometimes prosecutors like to like to chase hides, as we say. And if they see, oh, Michael Cohen, he's famous, I'll, you know, or, or whoever. You know, arguably this is this happened. Some people argue with Martha Stewart, where they have prosecuted a regular unknown person for doing what Martha Stewart did. So it can cut both ways. You're the right. answer to that one is yes. There was a guy in Otisville that was with the identical, identical claim. And he's just an average rich guy who happens to live here in the city. But yeah, uh, okay. same thing. But yes, I agree with you because they know that by going after me or the Martha Stewart's are, they know that they're going to be all over television and they love to yeah. see their name in print and they love to see their face on TV. But also, despite and let's how remember, fucking ugly they are. Once you meet with a TurboTax expert who will do your taxes for you, you're free to do not taxes. <laughs> let's remember, um, that's part of the reason for the fear here. Because if you take on one of these cases and you botch it, then it'll stick with you forever. And, and 
So for that reason, prosecutors, as much as we're all about bravado without fear or favor and all that, the fact of the matter is fear does come into play. And I, I use, again, Michael, an, an example from you. I don't want to set you off on a jag. I know what you're going to say here. But your judge, your federal judge, William Pauley, who, who handled your case, and I was in front of many, many dozens of times, passed away in 2021. And this is a man who was a judge for, I forget, 15, 20 years, over hundreds and thousands of cases of important policy. His whole damn obituary in the New York Times was about you, Michael Cohen. <laughs> it was about me. Could you imagine? Yeah, yeah well. Oh, he uh, would, I'm, listen, I'm love delayed. him or hate him. He would be. He, right. he would come out of his grave. His, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, well, good. So let me move on for a second and ask you this, because this week marks the 50th anniversary of Roe becoming law. But here we are now. 17 states have banned abortion, and the high court seems impervious to the will of the people. Yeah. Are you aware of any litigation that's working to help women seeking abortions, literally from being criminalized in those states? And why doesn't the court have to answer to us, right? The 70% of America that wants to see Roe reinstated. So it's an interesting question. Um, you know, I do not subscribe to the view that the Supreme Court needs to just do whatever the popular majority wants. I don't think they have to be just, well, more people like this than that. They're, you know, I do think they should be applying the law. Um, and the problem is a couple things. One, sometimes as a matter of just legal jurisprudence, you are supposed to think about what is the accepted norm in this country? Have we come to rely on this? That's one of the questions that was in dispute in the Roe-Dobbs decision. Ha, ha, you know, the liberals argued, we've had this system for nearly 50 years. We now rely on it. We, we've come to live with it, and it would be calamitous to change this now. The criticism is the justices pick and choose whatever gets them to the end result. And I think that's become increasingly clear. I mean, the way it's supposed to work, Michael, when you're in law school, they, they, they teach you that the law works like a math problem. You have your inputs, X times Y equals, and then it comes out to what it comes out to. And maybe it's a result that is consistent with whether you're liberal or, or conservative. Maybe it's not, but that's the result. And that's where we land. When you get into the real world, and I think increasingly over the last couple of years, my view is, especially at the U.S. Supreme Court level, it works the opposite. They start with the answer. I want to land here. Mm -hmm. And then they backfill in the equation. Well, because look, these legal terms are so malleable and any halfway smart people, and they're all very smart can take these legal concepts of reliance. Do we rely on this? And say, yes, we do. No, we don't. I mean, that's what lawyers do, we, right? We can argue either way to serve our needs. And the problem is, I think, I think this is fundamentally why the Supreme Court has really lost so much of its credibility, because we see them doing this constantly. When you're able to predict exactly where every case is going to come out, right along party lines, and it's not quite every case, but it's, it's very, very easy at this point, that tells you something. That tells you they're not umpires calling balls and strikes. It's more like if you let the team in the field call every pitch a strike or the, the team at bat call every pitch a ball. Um, and that's the problem that I think they're failing to grapple with. And that's why their their uh, public polling is, is at an all-time low. And until they change that, I don't see it changing. Yeah, I don't either. But I do have to say that whether you like Joe Biden mm -hmm. or you don't, Biden put out a statement yesterday that I thought was absolutely fantastic where he says today instead of commemorating the 50th anniversary of the supreme court's decision in roe versus wade we're acknowledging that last year 
the Supreme Court took away a constitutional right from the American people. And then it goes on to say, since the Supreme Court's decision, right, Americans, time and time again, have made their voices heard. Women should be able to make these deeply personal decisions free from political interference. Yet, Republicans in Congress and across the country continue to push for a national abortion ban to criminalize doctors and nurses and to make contraception harder to access. It's dangerous, extreme, and out of touch. And then he finishes by saying, I'll continue to fight to protect a woman's right to choose. Congress must restore the protections of Roe versus Wade in federal law. It's the only way we can fully secure a woman's right to choose in every state. I don't think it could have been said better. Whoever wrote it for him, regardless of the fact that it was for him and in accordance with his principles, this is exactly what we're saying right now. I acknowledge that the Supreme Court does not have to do what the will of the people but you're talking about 50 years stare decisis, and each yep. one of them lied to the Judiciary Committee when they said that they would respect stare decisis. They did not. No more than George Santos is a fucking liar. So were they. And they should not be permitted, as far as I'm concerned, to retain their seat when you lie in order to be, you know, to be confirmed. You know, there's this dance that happens at every confirmation where they're asked, do you respect precedent? And then they invent this thing of super precedent, whatever that may be. And they all give this hedgy answer that I think, you know, it stops short of being perjury, but it's hedgy. And they all go, of course, I respect precedent. And then they're asked, do you believe Roe versus Wade is precedent? Do you believe Brown versus Board of Education? They say, yes. But then there's the question of when do you reverse precedent? And they all try to come up with some BS sounding legal well if and when but but they don't really have but the real answer is when five of them want to when the hell five of them feel like it and this has been the you know this effort to overturn roe versus wade has been um part of a a campaign that goes back decades into the 80s um and and look it's fair game to argue but there's really no um there's really no legal basis for other than we just feel differently than the people who established this right in Roe versus Wade reaffirmed it in the Casey case in 1992. And by the way, we ought to get used to this because now this court is going to dig. I mean, they already have dug in and just sort of done whatever they want. I mean, the next one they're going to do, they're going to get rid of affirmative action in the court, in, in college admissions. That one's pending right now. It's quite clear they're going to argue that that's unconstitutional, even though it's been in place for decades now. So this is the reality of where we are with the court right now. So let me move on and then talk to you about Rupert Murdoch, because Rupert Murdoch testified in the Dominion voting machine fraud case last week. And reporters at Fox News have already admitted that they knew that the story was bullshit, that it was just incorrect. Now, there was nothing wrong with these Dominion voting machines, but by having Murdoch testify, at least it suggests to me that Fox has some sort of a strategy to get themselves off the hook, right? Or do they? What do you think? And before you give me that answer, you know, I have this company called Crisis X, and that's exactly as a crisis management that takes media and merges it with legal strategy. This is exactly what I would be telling Rupert Murdoch to do. I do it a little bit of a different strategy, but it's exactly what I would be saying. 
get yourself off of this because this is a multi-billion dollar lawsuit that everyone believes Dominion is going to win. So this is a defamation lawsuit, which basically means Dominion has to prove that uh, whoever spoke, spoke knowing that it was false with what we call actual malice. That's really difficult to show. The problem for Fox here and the defendants is this was so obviously false. And there's quite a bit of evidence that certain people, at least within Fox, had knowledge that it was false. I mean, it, it is false. Let's start with that. Note there's zero right. evidence that, that Dominion flipped votes or anything. This is just wild theories that Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani made up. And they've even faced consequences. And they just say, like, they basically admitted they had no basis for it. Rudy has said, like, I didn't have a chance to vet it. I don't have a chance to vet everything I say before I say it. So heads are going to roll here, not, you know, in, in the civil financial sense. I believe Dominion is going to win either at trial, a massive verdict, or they're going to end up with a huge settlement because Dominion, I mean, their entire business model is threatened here. And they've named some huge numbers they're suing for in the billions. I don't know that they'll ever get that. But um, it's interesting to see who is positioning themselves, how, who is admitting we knew this wasn't true or we should have known and who is sort of still fighting. I mean, one of the main defenses we've heard is like, this was opinion. This wasn't intended to be taken literally. This wasn't intended to be taken as fact. We've heard in various lawsuits from Fox, uh, from people at Fox, including I think Tucker Carlson in one case, I don't think it was the Dominion case, said this is an opinion show and no reasonable viewer would have believed that this was fact. So they're in a really tight spot here. Um, I'll be interested to see whether Dominion is willing to settle even for some enormous amount or whether Dominion is going to insist on taking this to trial to make a point. Yeah, let's not forget that they have things like, you know, Rudy's computer. They took out boxes and boxes of documents from his apartment here in the city. Not to mention they have other text messages. There's no doubt in my mind that there's communications that were going on between all of these players. I, I'm not sure if it was Tucker Carlson who said it, but Sean Hannity said the same thing, which is that I'm not a journalist. I'm a talk show host. Oh, I might be confused. Right? Yeah. And yeah. so, but it probably it could have been either one because yeah. you know they were both following whatever the mantra was to talk about. It's not as if they're writing their shows; they're right. just reading it off of the teleprompter. Right. You know, they don't they're not really they, you know, may turn around and say, hey, I don't agree with this. I don't want to say this. But at the end of the day, yeah, this thing is really crazy simply because I agree with you. Dominion will win this case. But I would tell I would tell each and every one of them who is my client. This is exactly what I would be telling you to do. You need to get yourself extricated. Yeah. from the lawsuit and if that means that you throw everybody else under the bus i promise you rupert and fox have no problem with doing that it's interesting you know? um yeah i mean I, you know i don't know whether i mean i, I don't know how hannity or, T or tucker carlson work i assume they have quite a bit of uh of editorial input into their own shows but yeah look a, a dominion good for dominion i mean they've stood up for themselves and uh I think they're going to they're going to expose quite a bit here about knowingly false statements based on what we've seen. I mean, I don't know how you justify it. It, it, it. Look, everyone gets things wrong. Everyone makes mistakes sometimes. But these were obvious truths that that they had no obvious falsehoods that they had just zero proof of. And there's almost been borderline admissions now that people knew. I mean, knew that it was false and they were just repeating it. So um, it'll be interesting. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Now, what are we thinking about the special counsel that the Department of Justice has arranged in the Biden document case? <laughs> I was going to say, because, which one? I mean, yeah. Merrick... Yeah, right. So I'm uh, <clears throat> Merrick Garland, right? Shaw put that shit together real quickly, right? I mean, it was like in a period of weeks, as opposed to Trump, which was years. Yeah. Is the idea to have the Trump and Biden document cases run concurrently so that the public can see the difference between them, right? And how much pressure do you think Garland was under to investigate Biden? I think the main uh, purpose that Merrick Garland had here was to provide himself and the Department of Justice with some measure of political insulation. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying he necessarily succeeded in that, but I think he kind of had no choice, especially after he had named Jack Smith special counsel on Trump. Now, you're right. It took him over two years. It took him two years or so to get there. And I'm quite critical, by the way, of Merrick Garland in the book for taking this long. But once mm -hmm. Donald Trump announced his candidacy of in 2024, Merrick Garland said, he essentially, he felt he, we had extraordinary circumstances and he had no choice. Now, remember, Donald Trump is being investigated for classified documents. Then when the Biden issue arises, first Garland taps this U.S. attorney from Chicago, John Walsh, to give a recommendation. That U.S. attorney comes back and says, I recommend special counsel. At that point, Garland has essentially no choice. Now, there definitely are differences in these cases, right? More documents with Trump. Trump is under investigation for obstruction and Biden has sort of cooperated, but I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But there are similarities. These are both cases involving documents, classified documents found in personal areas. Um, Biden's you know, claim that this is all an accident. Um, there's been no direct proof to the contrary, but we've now had documents found in five different batches in his home, in different rooms of his home, in his private office. I don't know whether we'll find more, but the more documents that show up, the more different places, the harder it gets to believe that there's some sort of pure accident here. We don't know. We don't know, I have to say that. Um, and again, he has denied having any knowledge. There's no direct evidence that he did have knowledge, but this is what the investigation is for. Now, Merrick Garland, as you noted, Michael, he has a really complex political calculus to make here. By the book, what Merrick Garland will tell you and what any by the book prosecutor will tell you is, well, he's going to assess each of them completely independently. And the special counsel will come back on Trump and give a recommendation. And the special counsel will come back on Biden and give a recommendation. And the one has nothing to do with the other. And Garland will independently decide whether he wants to go with the special counsel recommendation or overrule it, which he can. And that is correct. That is the way it will happen. But this notion that Merrick Garland is some sort of cyborg who does not operate in the world of politics is nonsense. He is a political creature. I don't mean that in any kind of criticism, but you don't get to the federal bench. You don't get nominated for the Supreme Court. You don't get nominated as attorney general unless you are a DC creature who understands politics. Of course, he's aware that Donald Trump is running for president. That's why he put a special counsel in place. Of course, he's aware Joe Biden is the sitting president. And of course, he's got to be aware of the, the appearance of this and the timing. I mean, do you announce them, as you said, Michael, concurrently. Do you wait until they're both done and said, here's where we came out on this, here's where we came out on that. Do, do you just announce your decision on each one as they come in? What if one comes in first? When you announce the decision on that, charge or don't charge, you can't charge Joe Biden right now because he's sitting president, but is that going to influence or increase pressure on what happens with the second case? And I think it will. I do think as a practical matter, I understand there are differences, but I think as a practical matter, the Biden case has underscored that there are more complexities to the Donald Trump documents case than people 
understood at the beginning. I've heard some people say, oh, the Trump documents case is the same thing as a drug case. You had kilos, five kilos of coke in your car. That's it. End of story. It's like a stolen jewelry case. There's a stolen jewelry. You're holding it. And I think now the Joe Biden case has shown why that is a glib, inaccurate view that no one who's ever actually tried a case would say in good faith because it's way more complicated. And ultimately, what this is going to come down to is knowledge and intent. Did either person know the documents were there? Biden says, no, Trump has admitted he knew the documents were there, but then intent. Did they have criminal intent? And the other thing I just want to say on this is I keep hearing people saying, well, but Joe Biden's cooperating and Donald Trump's not. Therefore, Donald Trump should be charged and Joe Biden shouldn't. That's only a halfway true answer. Because Joe Biden's cooperating, he won't be charged with obstruction, presumably, if he's fully cooperating, and Donald Trump might. But it doesn't mean Joe Biden is necessarily free and clear on the underlying documents. There still could be, you can commit a crime and then cooperate. I'm not saying Joe Biden has committed a crime, but people are acting like the cooperation just wipes the slate clean and nobody can ever be charged with anything if they cooperate. Obviously, that's nonsense. Obviously, you can't just undo a crime. So we, we need to see whether there's evidence that Joe Biden had knowledge and intent. Again, we've not seen that evidence yet, but the fact that he's cooperating doesn't mean it's over and and right. no it does, it's not fight. an exoneration to him for for what's done i am so yeah. so tired of all of this bullshit as far as i'm concerned they should be and if i was the attorney general they're not they're not concurrent cases they're completely separate that's how it should be but here's what bothers and it's exactly how it should be and here's what bothers me the most i promise you if you had one document in your possession, your ass would be in jail already. No different than like what happened with Reality Winner. Do you remember that they also yeah. went after, uh, who was it? Um, not uh, Sandy Berger, uh, David Petraeus. Yeah. Petraeus is who I was thinking. Yep. Right. I mean, his whole life turned upside down over one document. I hear you, the but let me, let me draw the matter one is, distinction. I have, a, I have okay. a big problem with the fact that once again, if you are of a certain elk, you are high-level government or involved in government, especially as a president, vice president, so on, that the laws don't apply to you yeah. the same way that they apply to everybody else, meaning that we really do have two separate systems of justice. But where I am the most offended on all of this is the fact that we have people that are working for us with our taxpayer dollars, NARA, or whoever's supposed to be responsible. These documents are beta stamped. It's not as if that they don't have corresponding numbers to it. it the way I compare it, in my building, we have what's called the key track system. Right. And it holds your extra key in the event that you get locked out or you don't have your keys or what have you. Yeah. And if after 24 hours... That key is not put back into the system. It fucking beeps. And it right. doesn't stop beeping until someone puts their initials next to it as to why they stopped it from beeping. Yeah. How is it possible that Joe Biden had documents for seven years, that Trump had it for three years, out of the system, and they knew that it wasn't there, or they should have known? What are these people doing? First of all, I think most of these people, like, I'm fighting with FOIA on a regular basis. I think they all fucking suck. I think that government breeds laziness, right? And that's the big problem. The fact that Joe Biden can have those out for six, seven years, the fact that Trump could have it out for years, I don't care how many 
Neither of them should have had those documents out. And if it's a crime, it's a crime. And if it's a crime for one, it's a crime for both. Well, I, look, I, I think you're seeing, again, a perfect example of why prosecutors are way more hesitant to charge. The more powerful a person is, the more hesitant. I mean, there are some differences, though. Like, if you take Petraeus's case, knowledge and intent were easy, right? He, he, he obviously knew he was taking these documents, and then he gave them to his biographer. And his, so his intent was to publish them. You know, it's not that straightforward on, we don't know really what the exact intent was on either of, of Trump or Biden, but you're absolutely right. There would be a thousand times more deliberation and, and consideration and benefit of the doubt before either president or former president would be charged or recommended for a charge than there would be any normal person. No question about that. Yeah. And at the end of the day, let's look at like reality winner, five years. To me, again, it should just be a NARA needs to do their job. Explain to me why a president cannot be told whatever you want to take out of the White House must be packed three days before you leave. Right. And then you have somebody there from NARA with a fucking video camera, with your cell phone, for God's sakes, videotaping what you're doing. Oh, you know, you can't take that. Let's put yeah. that off to the side. We could talk about that later. Instead, Trump walks out with 33-plus boxes. This guy walks out and so on. The reason I say this yeah. is not because I have an issue so much with, you know, whether Trump ends up getting prosecuted on it, and this is now going to force Biden, you know, neither of them, by the way, should run in 2024. Could you imagine two guys who both have now, you know, have documents that were taken out of the White House, top secret? The whole thing to me is just a distraction. But what bothers me more is the fact that you have people who are allegedly doing a job, meaning NARA, Right. And they're really not. And it's putting our national security at risk. Now, I don't think Joe Biden, and again, this is my opinion because, you know, I'm not a big fan of Donald's, right? Um, certainly any longer. You know, there's say. no doubt in my mind that he would show those documents to someone. But then again, right. I don't know whether Joe Biden, you know, or Hunter or somebody else maybe showed it to somebody for some benefit. That's the reason why well, this, no one should have it. Plain exactly. And, and this is why this is why the actual content of those documents is going to be really important to prosecutors, because if those documents just relate to random things that Joe Biden was dealing with as president or senator VP, or I should say VP, not as president. Um, then that's one thing. But if they hypothetically relate to business dealings, to things that his family was involved in, then you're going to be in a different spot when it comes to intentionality. Right. No, let me ask you this then. How does Merrick Garland then keep from having to share the information about these investigations with the likes of Kevin McCarthy yeah. and other Republicans that are legitimately gunning for Democrats? Merrick Garland needs to tell Congress to go to hell when it comes to specific ongoing investigations. So clearly the new Republican majority in the House intends to be very aggressive in their investigations. They want to dig into the Joe Biden documents. They want to dig into the, the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago. They want to dig into Hunter Biden. I do, but Congress absolutely has oversight authority. They have the power and they should have the power to bring the attorney general up to Capitol Hill, make them answer questions but not about specific ongoing cases. They want to ask Merrick Garland about what are your investigative priorities? What are your law enforcement tactics? Uh, what's your resource needs? Um, you know, how are you going about uh, executing search warrants? Any of those questions, totally fair game. Attorney General can and should uh, testify about that. But if they want to dig into specific cases, 
any attorney general has an obligation to say, I will not do that. And we now know Merrick Garland, he sent a letter just recently saying, I'm not going to go into these, essentially. I'm not going to go into ongoing cases. And the notion that there's been weaponization of DOJ is ridiculous. First of all, weaponization which way? I mean, we have investigations right now of Donald Trump, of Joe Biden, of Hunter Biden. I mean, who are, who are we thinking? Of Jared Kushner, of a handful, I don't know of about that. so many people. But, but well, who, are we thinking, who are we thinking? I don't know. Um, but look, who are we thinking that they're favoring? And, and let me say, this is a long bipartisan, nonpartisan tradition of AGs. No Congress that I can ever remember has demanded. Well, it, it's been demanded, but no AG has given into. Let me tell you about this ongoing case. In fact, no attorney general was ever held in contempt in this country until 2012, when Eric Holder refused to answer questions about the Fast and Furious scandal with this drug trafficking, or excuse me, gun trafficking investigation that went haywire. And I write about this in the book. Um, he was held in contempt, but wasn't prosecuted. Why? Because who decides? DOJ. Of course, Eric Holder and DOJ aren't going to prosecute Eric Holder. 2019, Michael, you'll be shocked to know Bill Barr was held in contempt because he refused to turn over uh, over information about the effort to add a citizenship question to the census. And you'll be really shocked to know that the courts later found that Bill Barr was not completely truthful in his explanations to the courts about why they Shocker. did that. Um, he too was held in contempt. And so now the question is, will we end up in a situation where Merrick Garland's held in contempt? It'll be purely ceremonial. But it, I think if Merrick Garland ends up in this position, he has to hold the line. He has to tell them, nope, not doing it. And he said that the other day. And if it means going into contempt, it means going into contempt. And, and so be it. But that is a bedrock DOJ principle that cannot at all be compromised. You know what would be a really fucking weird twist in this, like what happened to me, like in my case, where yep. the former president gets his mushroom pecker pulled by a porn star and I end up suffering the consequences. Can you imagine, right, if Biden ends up paying a price for the mishandling of classified documents and then Trump doesn't? I mean, I mean wouldn't that just be sort of par right. for this course. And that's why and that's why I think Merrick Garland's in a, in a tight spot here and I, I think that's very hard to to justify based on what we know publicly again there's there's plenty we don't know but also I think it's why the Biden document story in a way is a, another lucky break for Donald Trump because I think politically even yes there are differences we've talked about that we know the differences but I think it gets that much harder for Merrick Garland to say I'm going to charge Donald Trump if he also says and Biden didn't do anything worthy of a charge that may well be the way the cards fall, but politically that becomes even more explosive than just indicting or not indicting Donald Trump alone. Yeah, and this also gives, of course, yeah. the Republicans the opportunity now to attempt to impeach, you know, Biden, which, of course, you know that they're going to do. If they were going to run off of Afghanistan and COVID and so on, they would know that they'd be the laughing stock of America. But now at least they have something which is... In most yeah, people's perhaps. eyes, legitimate. You have documents. You have documents. Well, you know, one should not be any different than the other, and they should not be any different than you and I. So, again, moving on here. What do you think of Robert Hur, the man heading the Biden investigation? Mm -hmm. Now, he is a Trump appointee, but that, of course, doesn't mean that he's going to be biased. He seems to be, you know, a former JAG officer. So, you know, it doesn't make him biased at all. He does, however, have a page on the Federalist Society's website. I mean, I'm just saying he, he sort of goes to that ilk as opposed to being, we'll call it, as, as Donald would say, right, the radical left, right? I mean, he's certainly right. far from that. 
Should we be worried that he's also trying to protect Trump? Um, I don't know Robert Herr personally. Let me start with that. Um, I don't know that he's in really any position to protect Trump. He's obviously investigating Biden. I think it was the right move by Merrick Garland to choose someone who is a straight shooter, federal prosecutor. And I know people who have worked with him who have said publicly and elsewhere that he has conservative ideology, but it doesn't impact the way he has acted as a prosecutor. He actually was the one who refused to pick up the investigation of John Kerry for Logan at ridiculous Logan Act violations. The SDNY refused it. They tried to get her to take it up. And he said, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not going there. I think you had to pick someone with either absolutely neutral or conservative credentials, because God help you if you're Merrick Garland and you pick someone who is an Obama nominee, even if the person's right down the middle or has any, you know, donated to Democrats, then nobody would ever credit his findings. And so I think it was, I think if I'm in Merrick Garland's seat, I would look for someone exactly like Robert Herr. I would say, I want someone who, if anything, their history leans conservative, leans Republican, but also is an absolute straight shooter when it comes to prosecution. So I think he's, he's I think he's the right person for the job. And look, I'm willing to say, I don't know the guy, I'm willing to say that I will, I, I will start off by giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, and uh, you know, I, I will assume the best about his intentions and his work. Yeah, as will I. Okay, now I want to hit you with everyone's favorite question. All right, which case is mo which case is huh. most likely to bring Trump down? Right, oh. which one do you think is most likely to bring down? It's it's actually looking, you know, like the E. Jean Carroll case is picking up steam. So yeah. is the Fulton County election fraud. So is the New York District Attorney. You may right. have seen that once again for my fourteenth visit to the We're DA. <laughs> so is the Attorney General here in New York, who allegedly referred uh, certain matters to the Southern District of New York as well as the IRS. Yeah, which one do you think it's going to be? Okay, so first of all, let me take all the civil stuff and put it in a different group because I, I, as much as that he, Donald Trump could get hit with heavy judgments in those cases, that's not going to take him down. I think E. Jean Carroll, from what I can see, has a very strong lawsuit and claim supported by the evidence and sort of common sense. I think Letitia James, while I have serious issues, I believe Letitia James, I don't believe, I know because I, can, I saw her campaign against Donald Trump. I think that's a politically driven lawsuit. I know that's, she said it. Um, but I think she will succeed. I think the evidence that she laid out is is quite clear that he did inflate and deflate values, as you testified, Michael, in Congress. Those are all civil. On the criminal side, I want to draw a distinction, another distinction here. Sorry. To be no, wait, wait. No, Ellie, don't yeah. forget what she yeah. did do is she. Yes, it is civil. What she did do, though, is that she sent uh two aspects of that civil case to the Southern District of New York, yeah, and yep. that's the tax fraud case. Yep, yep. So we don't know where that's going to go. I think right. the most likely to indict, now you said bring down, but again, indict is not necessarily bring down. I think it's quite clear that the Fulton County DA intends to indict Donald Trump on, on election interference. I think every sign that we're seeing out there, every somewhat thinly veiled public comment by the DA makes clear that she has every intent to charge Donald Trump. She's taking way too long. We're already, again, two plus years out. You know, the heart of that case is the Raffensperger call. That call became public over two years ago. Um, I think it's becoming increasingly clear that she intends to indict that case. Will it result in conviction? I think is a very serious uphill climb. And I actually have a whole chapter in this book where I lay out why this case will be difficult, not impossible, but difficult to prosecute and the various obstacles that she's going to face if she charges. But I think the one that's most likely to bring him down is if DOJ actually pulls the trigger on a charge. 
Mar-a-Lago, I think, is much more likely than January 6th at this point. Um, if mm-hmm. DOJ charges, they will have a stronger legal basis, a stronger constitutional. There's a legitimate constitutional question about whether a county local DA can actually charge someone of a former president for something touching on office. Um, but DOJ, I believe this is DOJ's job. I think if you're talking about the kind of charges we're talking about with Donald Trump, DOJ has a unique responsibility. And so, so to boil that down, I think the DA in Fulton County is the most likely to indict first. But I think in terms of ultimate success from a prosecutorial point of view, conviction, I think it's going to come down to DOJ. And what, what do you think about the New York DA? I don't know. I mean, he passed. This is, I should say, Alvin Bragg is a friend of mine and a former colleague. Um, you know, he passed on. Bri- Michael Cohen, mea culpa with Ellie, top prosecutor who will bring down Trump, question mark. In the initial financial fraud crimes, they've obviously reignited their interest, Michael, as you know, having gone in there recently. Um, that's really hard to read. I don't know. You know, New York state laws also allow for some pretty. This is exactly what I would be telling. This is my factor helps you move forward with life the way you want to live it. I tell you my story, don't grab for me. Take my time, that's fine by me. This is you to do you need to get yourself extricated from the lawsuit and if that means that you throw everybody else under the bus i promise you rupert and fox have no problem with doing that it's interesting you know um yeah i mean you know i don't know whether i mean i I don't know how hannity or or tucker carlson work i assume they have quite a bit of uh of editorial input into their own shows but yeah, look, a, a Dominion, good for Dominion. I mean, they've stood up for themselves and uh, I think they're going to they're gonna expose quite a bit here about knowingly false statements based on what we've seen. I mean, I don't know how you justify it. It, it, it. Look, everyone gets things wrong. Everyone makes mistakes sometimes. But these were obvious truths that, that they had no obvious falsehoods that they had just zero proof of. And there's almost been borderline admissions now that people knew, I mean, knew that it was false and they were just repeating it. So... Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, what are we thinking about the special counsel that the Department of Justice has arranged in the Biden document case? <laughs> I was going to say, because, which one? I mean, yeah. Merrick. Yeah, right. So I'm t- <clears throat> Merrick Garland, right? Sure, put that shit together real quickly. Right? I mean, it was like in a period of weeks as opposed to Trump, which was years. Yeah. Is the idea to have the Trump and Biden document cases run concurrently so that the public can see the difference between them, right? And how much pressure do you think Garland was under to investigate Biden? I think the main uh, purpose that Merrick Garland had here was to provide himself and the Department of Justice with some measure of political insulation. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying he necessarily succeeded in that, but I think he kind of had no choice, especially after he had named Jack Smith special counsel on Trump. Now, you're right. It took him over two years. It took him two years or so to get there. And I'm quite critical, by the way, of Merrick Garland in the book for taking this long. But once mm-hmm. Donald Trump announced his candidacy of in 2024, Merrick Garland said, he essentially, he felt he, we had extraordinary circumstances and he had no choice. Now, remember, Donald Trump is being investigated for classified documents. Then when the Biden issue arises, 
first Garland taps this U.S. attorney from Chicago, John Walsh, to give a recommendation. That U.S. attorney comes back and says, I recommend special counsel. At that point, Garland has essentially no choice. Now, there definitely are differences in these cases, right? More documents with Trump. Trump is under investigation for obstruction, and Biden has sort of cooperated, but I'm going to talk about that in a second. But there are similarities. These are both cases involving documents, classified documents found in personal areas. Um, Biden's, you know, claim that this is all an accident. Um, there's been no direct proof to the contrary, but we've now had documents found in five different batches in his home, in different rooms of his home, in his private office. I don't know whether we'll find more, but the more documents that show up, the more different places, the harder it gets to believe that there's some sort of pure accident here. We don't know. We don't know. I have to say that. Um, and again, he has denied having any knowledge. There's no direct evidence that he did have knowledge, but this is what the investigation is for. Now, Merrick Garland, as you noted, Michael, he has a really complex political calculus to make here. By the book, what Merrick Garland will tell you and what any by the book prosecutor will tell you is, well, he's going to assess each of them completely independently. And the special counsel will come back on Trump and give a recommendation. And the special counsel will come back on Biden and give a recommendation. And the one has nothing to do with the other. And Garland will independently decide whether he wants to go with the special counsel recommendation or overrule it, which he can. And that is correct. That is the way it will happen. But this notion that Merrick Garland is some sort of cyborg who does not operate in the world of politics is nonsense. He is a political creature. I don't mean that in any kind of criticism, but you don't get to the federal bench. You don't get nominated for the Supreme Court. You don't get nominated as attorney general unless you are a DC creature who understands politics. Of course, he's aware that Donald Trump is running for president. That's why he put a special counsel in place. Of course, he's aware Joe Biden is the sitting president. And of course, he's got to be aware of the, the appearance of this and the timing. I mean, do you announce them, as you said, Michael, concurrently. Do you wait until they're both done and said, here's where we came out on this, here's where we came out on that. Do, do you just announce your decision on each one as they come in? What if one comes in first? When you announce the decision on that, charge or don't charge, you can't charge Joe Biden right now because he's sitting president, but is that going to influence or increase pressure on what happens with the second case? And I think it will. I do think as a practical matter, I understand there are differences, but I think as a practical matter, the Biden case has underscored that there are more complexities to the Donald Trump documents case than people understood at the beginning. I've heard some people say, oh, the Trump documents case is the same thing as a drug case. You had kilos, five kilos of coke in your car. That's it. End of story. It's like a stolen jewelry case. There's stolen jewelry. You're holding it. And I think now the Joe Biden case has shown why that is a glib, inaccurate view that no one who's ever actually tried a case would say in good faith because it's way more complicated and ultimately what this is going to come down to is knowledge and intent did either person know the documents were there biden says no trump has admitted he knew the documents were there but then intent did they have criminal intent and the other thing i just want to say on this is i keep hearing people saying well but joe biden's cooperating and donald trump's not therefore donald trump should be charged and joe biden shouldn't. that's only a halfway true answer because joe biden's cooperating he won't be charged with obstruction presumably if he's fully cooperating and donald trump might but it doesn't mean Joe Biden is necessarily free and clear on the underlying documents. There still could be, you can commit a crime and then cooperate. I'm not saying Joe Biden has committed a crime, but people are acting like the cooperation just wipes the slate clean and nobody can ever be charged with anything if they cooperate. Obviously that's nonsense. Obviously you can't just undo a crime. So we we need to see whether there's evidence that Joe Biden had knowledge and intent. Again, we've not seen that evidence yet, but the fact that he's cooperating doesn't mean it's over and and right. no it does, it's not fight. an exoneration to him for for what's done i am so yeah. so tired 
of all of this bullshit, as far as I'm concerned, they should be, and if I was the attorney general, they're not, they're not concurrent cases. They're completely separate. That's how it should be. But here's what bothers, and it's exactly how it should be, and here's what bothers me the most. I promise you, if you had one document in your possession, your ass would be in jail already. No different than like what happened with reality winners. Do you remember that they also went after, uh, who was it? Um, not uh, Sandy Berger, uh, David Petraeus. Yeah. Petraeus is who I was thinking. Yep. Right. I mean, his whole life turned upside down over one document. I hear you, the but let me, let me draw one distinction. Is, I have, a, I have a big problem with the fact that once again, if you are of a certain elk, you are high-level government or involved in government, especially as a president, vice president, and so on, that the laws don't apply to you yeah. the same way that they apply to everybody else, meaning that we really do have two separate systems of justice. But where I am the most offended on all of this is the fact that we have people that are working for us with our taxpayer dollars, NARA, or whoever's supposed to be responsible. These documents are beta stamped. It's not as if that they don't have corresponding numbers to it. it the way I compare it, in my building, we have what's called the key track system. And it holds your extra key in the event that you get locked out or you don't have your keys or what have you. Yeah. And if after 24 hours... That key is not put back into the system. It fucking beeps. And it right. doesn't stop beeping till someone puts their initials next to it as to why they stopped it from beeping. Yeah. How is it possible that Joe Biden had documents for seven years, that Trump had it for three years, out of the system? And they knew that it wasn't there, or they should have known. What are these people doing? First of all, I think most of these people, like... I'm fighting with FOIA on a regular basis. I think they all fucking suck. I think that government breeds laziness, right? And that's the big problem. The fact that Joe Biden can have those out for six, seven years, the fact that Trump could have it out for years, I don't care how many. Neither of them should have had those documents out. And if it's a crime, it's a crime. And if it's a crime for one, it's a crime for both. Well, I, look, I, I think you're seeing, again, a perfect example of why prosecutors are way more hesitant to charge. The more powerful a person is, the more hesitant. I mean, there are some differences, though. Like, if you take Petraeus's case, knowledge and intent were easy, right? He, he, he obviously knew he was taking these documents, and then he gave them to his biographer. And his, so his intent was to publish them. You know, it's not that straightforward on, we don't know really what the exact intent was on either of, of Trump or Biden. But you're absolutely right. There would be a thousand times more deliberation and and consideration and benefit of the doubt before either president or former president would be charged or recommended for a charge than there would be any normal person. No question about that. The darkness that has happened is this black cloud, the vapor, that energy just consumes your whole tribe. Since colonization, Native women have been targeted. Multiple families grieving over teenage girls. There's so many of them. You can get killed really easily around here. You know something happened to her up there. I 
hear this little small voice say, come find me, Dad. Yeah, and at the end of the day, let's look at, like, reality winner, five years. To me, again, it should just be a... NARA needs to do their job. Explain to me why a president cannot be told whatever you want to take out of the White House must be packed three days before you leave. Right. And then you have somebody there from NARA with a fucking video camera, with your cell phone, for God's sakes, videotaping what you're doing. Oh, you know, you can't take that. Let's put that off to the side. We could talk about that later. Instead, Trump walks out with 33 plus boxes. This guy walks out and so on. The reason I say this is not because I have an issue so much with, you know, whether Trump ends up getting prosecuted on it, and this is now going to force Biden, you know, neither of them, by the way, should run in 2024. Could you imagine yeah. two guys who both have now, you Fucking know, have documents that were taken out of the White House, top secret? The whole thing to me is just a distraction. But what bothers me more is the fact that you have people who are allegedly doing a job, meaning NARA, right. and they're really not. And it's putting our yeah. national security at risk. Now, I don't think Joe Biden, and again, this is my opinion because, you know, I'm not a big fan of Donald's, right? Um, certainly any longer. You know, There's no doubt in my mind that he would show those documents to someone. But then again, right. I don't know whether Joe Biden, you know, or Hunter or somebody else maybe showed it to somebody for some benefit. That's the reason why well, this, no one should have it. Plain exactly, and, and this is why this is why the actual content of those documents is going to be really important to prosecutors. Because if those documents just relate to random things that Joe Biden was dealing with as president or senator VP, or I should say VP, not as president. Um, then that's one thing. But if they hypothetically relate to business dealings, to things that his family was involved in, then you're going to be in a different spot when it comes to intentionality. Right. No, let me ask you this then. How does Merrick Garland then keep from having to share the information about these investigations with the likes of Kevin McCarthy yeah. and other Republicans that are legitimately gunning for Democrats? Merrick Garland needs to tell Congress to go to hell when it comes to specific ongoing investigations. So clearly the new Republican majority in the House intends to be very aggressive in their investigations. They want to dig into the Joe Biden documents. They want to dig into the, the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago. They want to dig into Hunter Biden. I do get, Congress absolutely has oversight authority. They have the power and they should have the power to bring the Attorney General up to Capitol Hill, make them answer a question, but not about they want to ask Eric all about what are your investigative priorities, what are your law enforcement tactics, uh, what's your resource needs, um, how are you going about search uh, warrants, any of those questions, totally fair game, in general, can and should uh, testify about that. But if they want to dig into specific cases, any attorney general 